0: laid back like Matt's typically is, you know, Matt Happel, you know, the sloppy mechanics. Now that we're, now that we're on, as I go mid sentence into that, uh, guys, last night of 12 pods of Christmas, I can't wait. Um, as Calvin said while I go, uh, save the best for last. We're, this is going to be a ton of fun. I'm interested in the stories you guys can tell. You have a ton of automotive history between the two of you. And from what I watched on the sloppy mechanics, uh live stream you guys have history that goes way back even generations so so that'll be cool to kind of talk about a little bit too so why don't you introduce yourself while i get all the notes and things like that tell everybody where they can find you and all that stuff
1: sure yeah i'm calvin and this is my dad andrew we uh have a youtube channel here on youtube it's called Nivlac 57 it's my name spelled backwards and i like 57 chevys so that's where the name came from um, we do all kinds of stuff from uh, Vortech 4200 stuff, LS swaps. Uh, we got a thousand horsepower Nova, um, mm-hmm. you know, eight seconds in the quarter mile, you know, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Land speed racing, um, you know, everything from basic hot rods to all out race cars. And yeah, we, we have a good time, so.
0: i I think that's an understatement a good time whenever i'm watching your stuff i'm like those guys they've got it figured out (laughs) (laughs) so so we're definitely going to talk about some of that obviously we got to get in i got to thank the folks that made this room possible um we've never had drywall in the shop so never had insulation on the walls or anything so we burned through tons and tons of propane last last winter hopefully we won't do it as bad this winter um but uh uh, donovan green who's hanging out with danny diesel uh this, this Christmas, we talked to that guy yesterday on the live stream, Dino Cardella, Tyler Petrum, Tom Stark, who we were talking about earlier, uh, Tom Blaine, Matt Monroe, Ryan Wing, who was on for hours last night. was great. And uh, Big Bad Daddy, the Cowboy Yankee, John Marat, uh, helped donate for this. And then Andy's Computer Repair. Without him, I literally wouldn't be in the shop. That dude is so smart. He has like two satellites hooked up so I can be out here. We didn't have to dig a trench because if I'd had to dig a trench, nope. I'd have never put a I'd never put – Internet in the shop. So,
1: yep.
0: <laughs> all right, we well, all ready? Sure, absolutely. Let's ready. do it. Yeah. So I think let's start backwards a little bit. Go go kind of way back a little bit. Um, like first cars, and then in the um, in the last video, you had a picture of your like grandfather, maybe Andrew? Yep. Is that right? Yeah.
2: Uh, that, that had a race
0: car. I mean,
2: yeah, my great grandfather.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, So kind of start us, when did you guys, well, Calvin, we know you were born into the car bug. Yeah. Uh, Sounds (laughs) like Andrew is the same thing. Uh, Like, were you guys just always tearing stuff apart? How would that work?
2: Well, my earliest recollections of car related stuff was probably around the time I was probably four or five years old. My Uncle John uh, was a hot rodder nice. to the deepest sense. He was actually one of the very first um, founding members of the car club that started the uh, New York Autorama. Yes. That, oh, yeah. And that 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 car club is still functional today. He's still involved with it today. But back in 65, I think it was, is around the time when uh, – Uh, They had started that, and he had uh, an old hot rod that looked like the uh, Cookie's uh, hot rod, but it was yellow, and every removable piece that was steel was um, chromed. It had a 421 Super Duty in it, and um, unfortunately, that car had gotten stolen, but his uh, love for um, cars... Was certainly infectious. He's got that personality that uh, just draws people to him. He's an awesome guy, and uh, he had uh, the um, uh, Fairlanes, the GTS, the GTAs, and things like that. And uh, my grandparents both at times were involved with, in hot rodding more. More my <clears throat> excuse me, my grandfather was more of into hot rodding on my mother's side my grandfather nelson actually raced motorcycles in sweden wow and, and uh but my grandfather on my uh maternal side uh his father was into hot rodding and racing and was uh involved clear back into the teens and uh wow. so that uh in, in infection for lack of a better word uh, <laughs> uh permeated <laughs> generations and uh you know, when I was a young person, uh, my grandfather was working on some of the neatest things and the wild colors that you would see. I remember an old Willie's; he dropped a three twenty seven into, and the tonal ram stuck up through the hood. And back in yes. those days, the early seventies, the the plexiglass uh, um, hood scoop was a popular item, and it had mm-hmm. that. Uh, we went down. To, I remember a couple trips down to the. Uh, beaches we would go and this thing had a roar to it and it just uh uh you 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 get that vibration in your veins and it stays with you so uh I was very fortunate to have that influence and always had a love affair with cars for as long as I can remember and my father kind of figured out early on that uh, when my first words were broom, broom, that it was actually a disease that I wasn't <laughs> going to get over. So through That's my awesome. years, I uh, uh, always had a love for cars and my mom was that absolutely instrumental in convincing my dad that it was okay for me to get a car. Everybody uh, uh, in the family had a hobby and so when I was 14 years old, she actually helped me... Uh, bring the car home our neighbor used his pickup truck and drug my uh that's well it's the kind of car but okay i've got a picture of it it's that's not oh yes that's the kind of car it was and that's not uh, the car but yeah i bought it for 50 dollars, and she drove it home and pulled it up into the driveway with my neighbor and uh so from 14 years old on i i've had a car that i worked on and it's uh uh, a, a tradition I uh, am happy that has been passed on with a lot of strength
1: to the next generation.
0: Yeah, it's genetic now, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: my my first car was, um, you know, obviously I was born into it, so I had, you know, I didn't really have a choice, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I choice, but, you know. Uh, yeah, I could have buried you with the other one out back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my first car was actually the the 63 Studebaker that you know we we have on the channel. Um, nice. Dad bought that for me when I was 16 and uh, it had a lot of rust and we fixed it and we put a uh 260 cubic inch small block Chevy in it at the start. I was going to put a T5 in it but we decided to put a uh uh Turbo, Turbo 350. 350. Yeah, that's what oh. I thought turbo 350 behind that um we ran it around like that for a while and then i wanted a little more power so um we stuck a a 6 liter ls into it and um took it to the grassroots motorsports challenge yes and in that form and uh ran it like that for a little while and then I got this uh, weird six-cylinder uh, bug, and uh, I wanted to put a six-cylinder in it. I had a 63 uh, a uh, four-door Nova with a uh, 250 inline six that uh, we bought from my uncle, and um, he was really into the performance stuff with the six-cylinders, and he's kind of what originally spurred my love for the six cylinders
3: mm-hmm. and
1: he had the lump boards. he had an aftermarket cam he had a, a cylinder head that came with it that was already all redone but he just never had the the drive to actually put it all together yeah and i decided um you know i wanted to hop the thing up and uh i actually was working on a a bracket to put a supercharger on the thing uh, a little uh, m90 from a uh yeah. a thunderbird um and uh, unfortunately, I got into a car accident with the thing and it got totaled. And ever since then, you know, i wanted to do a, a higher performance six cylinder. And uh, eventually that led us to the Vortec 4200. And that's, that's why it eventually made its back way into the, the, the Studebaker. So
0: that's yeah. awesome. So it, um, I think with our C10 truck, if it had been a six when I got it, but it was a 283 when I got it, and so I think if it had been a six, we would be more likely to, to be running some kind of Atlas because we would have just thought it would have been cool to stay with that that same yeah. you know engine style, not same <laughs> engine obviously, but yeah, that that's a neat setup. Um, this Atlas setup is gigantic, and the GM engineers, I'm not impressed with them. <laughs> if anybody has watched any of my shorts, it's uh, a <laughs> Man, every time they do something, I'm like, this, they are just trying to mess with me on this thing.
1: Yeah. It's in their factory chassis. They're a real pain. Yeah. But if you put it in something that's a little easier to work on, it's, it's not so bad. But
0: yeah. And, and they make, I mean, it makes, you know, 270 something horsepower and what, 290 torque or something like that. So, I mean, it's no slouch, you know, yep. but it, yep. it's a booger to work on the, you know, drive shaft through the oil pan. I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> this isn't gonna work. Yep. So, yeah, when yeah, it goes well, back together, it won't be four wheel drive anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's if you ever have to do a timing chain, you're really gonna be cursing them. Um, mm. Just just because the the oil pump is in the front cover of the engine, oh, yeah. Yep. And yep. to get the the front cover off the engine, you got to drop the oil pan so yep. that you yep. can take the pickup loose, and then you can take the front cover off. It's it's no fun. Yeah. So so
0: I, people have heard this story that are watching, but I'm gonna tell you guys because uh so the previous owner of the truck, I, I did some trading with it and got it for free because they had broken three water pump bolts off. And I was like, no big deal, it'll be like an LS. I'll just replace the front cover, no big you know, no thing. Uh and then I find that and then it's four wheel drive. So I had 20 hours in taking this thing apart just to get the front cover off and then have to go to the junkyard and do the same thing all over again. It was like shooting. Nope. Yeah,
3: but the one at the junkyard, I didn't have
0: to do anything. It didn't matter. I was ripping stuff apart and breaking yep. things. It didn't matter, you know how that goes. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: yep. Yeah, we're we're not uh definitely not gentle with the, the junkyard, <laughs> junkyard uh 4200. It's get out the saws all. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, like it's yeah, yeah, there's a lot of times where I've been, it, and it's just the chassis that it's in from watching you guys stuff. The motor seems pretty solid, you know, as long as you take care of it. Um, all right, I have enough, I'll, I'll complain about that motor later. Uh, what are some of the favorite cars that you guys have owned? Ooh.
1: <laughs> well, well, step away for a
2: second. Uh, all right, go ahead and I, that list is long. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've had. Uh, at the same time, I had two 427-powered uh, Novas. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. That, it, yeah. Big blocks and Novas were meant to be. Um, yes. I had a uh, big block 68 Chevelle. I had a big block um, 69 Impala. Uh, I had a big block in my uh, 56 Chevy. um my my 56 Chevy was one of my first real hot rods. In that, oh, cool. while I had a bunch of cars beforehand, uh, the 54 uh, Chevy, the 51 Studebaker that I had in high school that ran 12 O's and back in that day, that, yeah, was, that was
0: yeah, that's still fast now. People don't understand that.
2: Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> it's not <laughs> fast to you guys, um. I could, the sorry part of that story is that I did everything I could to try and make it run 11s, and I couldn't do it if I would have dropped it off a bridge, but uh, uh,
3: ultimately,
2: uh, that led to a a series of Novas that followed it, and, uh, uh, you know, I've owned probably close to 200 cars, and, you know, from SS Camaros to Z28s to uh ss chevelles um mustangs fastback mustangs um a bunch of dodges Oldsmobiles, pontiacs and uh through the years obviously the the novas kind of rose to the top and it had Mm -hmm. as much to do with the fact that they were so cheap and easy to work on as anything and you, you you throw any level of um hot rodding at those things and you're 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 fast all of a sudden so yeah they just
0: work so well
2: yeah there's there's the
1: 56 nice kind of had.
2: yeah that that was uh a fun car when i uh was able to get a hold of that thing i was either 19 just about to turn 20 or just turned 20 i was i think i was 19 but the front end was parked on a stump and the back end.
0: Oh, that's nice. What a great color combo.
2: The back end was actually chained up into a tree, and we had to rescue it from that position on the side of a hill and uh, drug it home. And uh, uh, that that first picture was actually one of the first. Yes. Things. Yes. <laughs> so that, that thing eventually ran tens with a big block in it. and uh, uh, I'm
0: sensing a theme with you. Well, I, I had, big block uh, Chevrolets, I think you likes them.
2: I I ha, am a big fan of them. I'm a big fan of the small block. I like any engine. Um, I prefer the Chevrolet line just because of cost, but uh, mm-hmm. I had success racing every brand that I've ever uh, uh, had an opportunity to work on. I've had Pontiacs that I've raced, Buicks, um, uh, Mopar. Mopars, uh, Fours. Oldsmobile, uh, Ford, a. <laughs> Pile of Fords, and uh, <laughs> but ultimately, as um, time would have it, I as I kept repeating the same formula, the Chevrolets were so much easier to make fast with so much less money that you know, one once I started focusing on that, I could uh, really uh, uh, go fast and uh, transmissions. You know we've we've had a lot of yeah. fun, a lot of fun teasing people. We always tell people we we race Chevrolets because we want to be fast. We tow with Fords because we want to get
0: home. <laughs> that's great. That's a great way to put it. My uh, my stepdad used to say that uh, if if you were gonna have a trailer on it, it had to be a Ford Super Duty. He's like, <laughs> and they they were farmers. They hauled heavy stuff. He's like, that's the only one that we found that works.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, we've we've had success with other brands, but ultimately uh, Ford has proven to me that they want me to drive their products. We've uh, we've had a trailer in 25 states. We've wow. pulled um, many many miles. We our one trailer sitting. Over there, I'm pointing it like you can see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, our one trailer that's sitting in the backyard. We've got hundred and thirteen thousand miles on it. We track the mileage on wow. our trailers and our new trailer that we just got recently has already got twenty seven thousand miles on it. And that's um, crazy. it's uh when you pull a trailer through twenty-seven states, uh, you know, we've had Obviously, the normal issues that people deal with between trailer brakes and uh, when it comes to the truck, the two times that we had issues with our trucks, Ford, Ford had us in and out of a dealership in Richmond, Virginia, in an hour and six minutes, and most recently we uh, had a um, issue in uh, Florida, and we were in and out of the dealership in an hour and twenty three
0: minutes. And that's crazy.
2: There's not too many brands uh, that are going to give you that level of service, and so we we tow with Fords.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like to be able to be in and out and not just—I mean, sometimes oil changes that take that long. You know? right. and they're fixing stuff. That's cool.
2: Yep, Their commercial line is definitely, uh, you know, they recognize what's going on. And fortunately, when when you're towing a trailer and they understand you're a thousand miles from home, they they treat you (laughs) with that level of uh, respect. So Yeah, they
0: they tend to jump to it. They're like, let's get these guys out of here so they're not having to hang out with us. (laughs) So one thing that I like the most, I think, about uh, the stuff that you guys put out is the, uh, there's, I'll just read my question here. Um, what are some tricks you've done over the years uh, for a little more horsepower that say within a rule book uh, that most people don't do? Well. I like, can just feel like y'all's thought process is a little different than just put the next biggest X on it or what, you know what I mean?
2: Well, it, it, there's no doubt that we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how everything works and whether it's you find a few um, ounces of horsepower or a few horsepower in the oil pan. Just how you, uh, clear the crank of windage, um, how much vacuum you put on the crankcase. Um, uh, everything is blended and smoothed and optimized for flow. Uh, making sure that the fuel and the spark and, uh, the air inlets are a hundred percent. We spend more time making air inlets that, most people don't even see the yep. rammer uh, effect uh, that uh, feeding uh, the turbos or the engines. Um, they're so focused on the shiny parts. They don't see the details. And I, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think we really do anything magic. It's ultimately the efic- efficacy of everything that we touch is been um, put in with a, put together with a great focus on how do we make this every part function better? Um, whether it's, uh, um, you know, the type oils, greases, um, making sure that everything is properly adjusted, uh, how much time we spend on alignments and scaling the cars. We, yes. we spend more time on scaling the cars and a lot of times, the first time the car goes down the track, you're eight, nine hundred miles from home. So, wow. you know, we we pour ourselves into preparation. And, you know, our Henry J, the first time it went down the track was in Topeka, Kansas. The, the first time our 54 Studebaker went down the track was in uh, North Carolina. Uh, we've had a fleet of cars that we've put together, and the first time that they go down the track is Gainesville, Florida. Wow. So, it's it's attention to detail has got to be the easiest way to um, uh, categorize what we do.
3: Yeah,
0: I and I definitely will uh, say that that is one hundred percent true. Looking at it from the outside, yep,
1: well, <laughs>
0: and, we- and I sorry we spend
1: a lot of time testing stuff as well um i mean that's something that a lot of people don't do they just you know they expect it to just go the number they want it to go on the very first attempt and you know we spend a lot of time at you know test sessions just working your way up and just okay why is this not working you know a lot of time on the dyno just you know tweaking and trying okay well throw a little more timing at it okay it didn't like that what about take them away you know it's just lots of trying different air fuel ratios all all kinds of stuff like that to make sure that it is making as much power as it possibly can and um, yeah that's a lot a lot of that is stuff that people just don't do and you know yeah. they wonder why their stuff doesn't work
0: <laughs> yeah they, they just like us they just throw it on they're like okay do this do that hey take it over to that tuner and then it's just like that guy puts in a bass tune and then we drive it 1500 miles yep. <laughs> and never go back to him. He's like, you've got to come back and let me mess with that. I'm <laughs> like, man, it starts and runs and does burnouts. It's fine. Yep. <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, I do want to talk land speed stuff eventually because that's very interesting in my mind. Cause, and I think it plays in really well with, um, like drag and drive events, you know, Hot about like, drag week, race week, and some, uh, you know, like endurance driving, like coast to coast type stuff is an in interest of mine, obviously. Um, but let's talk about if you've owned all those cars. And Kevin, are you the same way you get? Do you just swap cars a bunch?
1: Not really. I, I tend to hang on to stuff a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the Studebaker, obviously, I've had that for 12 years now. Um, and the, the Fairmont's my other hot rod.
0: And Yep.
2: He's never sold a car.
0: <laughs> oh, gotcha. So, dude, it's hard to just keep adding them to the fleet. Right. Uh, well, Andrew's I, over here turning them. You're you're adding.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. I I mean, I tend to like you know, I I get a car and it's like this is the car and you know I want to invest in that and run yeah. that and you know optimize it and you know the <laughs> the Fairmont you know my my station wagon has mm-hmm. had an LS in it and now a six cylinder <laughs> you know it, yes. I'd rather, I'd rather take a, something I already own that I know is going to work and rework it into what I want than build a whole new car. And, there you go. Um, you know, the, the next one's going to be the, the 57 that we just picked up. So mm-hmm. that'll be the next hot rod.
0: Well, the, the reason I ask that is because I, I want to hear some, we were talking last night on the live stream about car buying stories and uh, there's some crazy ones. So I'm sure you guys have some crazy stories if y'all want to lead into some of that with us.
2: Oh, yeah. well, you know, I, I don't have any super crazy stories, but I, I, I can tell you that I've had some opportunities to to have some really neat cars that have come across my come to my possession in odd ways. I All through college, I, um, uh, well, even in high school, I used to love to buy super cheap cars and just drive them. And <laughs> I think I went for a time there where I had a series of $10, $50 cars in a row. Yes. And one of the craziest ones that I got was this uh, 1973 Nova SS at a harrisburg i was in the dorms at the time and the uh one of the residents there uh the car kept locking up the front brake every time he would go slow it would it would slow down and then as soon as the thing would get down 10 15 miles an hour it would lock the brake up so he knocks on my dorm room door hey you want this car 50 bucks no of course i do so yeah i i give them the money. And it's the Friday of a weekend. I'm, I'm headed home and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to drive this thing the whole way home. And (laughs) I I could go 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 miles an hour, hit the brakes and it would slow down. But as soon as it would get around 25 miles an hour, it would lock the front left brake up and try and change lanes (laughs) into the other. So, I'm driving this thing, and I had to drive the thing about 60 miles to get it home. And I had to go through um, Middletown, Lancaster, Willow Street, uh, Millersville. I, I had a path that I followed. And I'm using the emergency brake the whole way home. And the one time at this one intersection, I forgot it, and I hit the brakes. I, I I relaxed enough, and it tried to change lanes, and it's you know panic sets in, and it yeah. wouldn't it wouldn't disengage the brake until you let off the brake. Oh so, well,
0: yeah, you can't do that when the when you're changing lanes.
2: No, no. So <laughs> I get this thing home, and it's like I need to figure out what's wrong with this thing, and the rotor had completely milled one side of it off, and all you could see was the uh, veins, the cooling passages. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I didn't even bother to look at it at the time. I was just like, okay. Yeah. Drive this thing home.
0: And when- I'll get it home and put a caliper on it, and it'll be fine. When in reality, <laughs> you could have thrown a $14 rotor on it then and been fine.
3: <laughs>
2: oh, my word. It... it, 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 it the opportunity to buy cars back in the 70s, 80s uh, was unbelievable. I bought a an old uh, 70 Monte Carlo 350, 300 horse, had a 12 bolt in it, the whole nine yards. Bought it for $80. That's
0: drove crazy.
3: That,
2: I drove the car for three years. <laughs> I bought three or four Chevelles. It was funny. It was three of them. Um they were all the same color, 71 Chevelle green. They were all green with a green <laughs> interior. And I didn't pay over 50 bucks for any of them. I had a... Uh, um, I would have
0: loved to have been in the... I'd love to have the notes from those GM and Dodge meetings where they're like, okay, the outside's green. How about we do the inside green? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. The seventies were good for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, I had a I had a seventy Impala. That was an old um, uh, police car, hundred and forty mile an hour speedometer, the whole nine <laughs> yards. It had the um, uh, X heads on them. I paid fifty bucks for it, and uh, uh, just what a joy to be able to buy old Camaros for just a fraction of what they cost today.
3: And
2: back then you just tortured them to death. And when you were done torturing them, you junk them and you bought another car for 50 bucks. And, and I went years just buying junk like that and had a bar. Yeah.
3: There's,
0: there's nothing like beating on a, on a cheap car. Oh yeah. And
2: uh, yeah, I, I watch roadkill today and I, I look at some of the shenanigans going on there and it's like, Oh, that's so old. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. did, we
0: did that decades ago <laughs> that's awesome uh calvin anything on your side i mean
1: i mean i haven't bought a lot of cars i mean the, how I about didn't... you
0: stole that wagon from me
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the station wagon yeah the station wagon the fairmont uh station wagon that we bought um or i guess i bought um uh, dad Dad like sent me a picture of it. I'm like, I want it. Yeah, <laughs> he he was sending it to me because he wanted it. Uh, well, yeah, he let me have it. So <laughs> nice. Uh, and I uh, the first Trailblazer that I bought, um, that was sort of a not really a funny story, but a more of a wholesome story. I bought it from a shop teacher, and he he kind of he he could kind of get the vibe from me like I was a, mm-hmm. I was a kid I was sort of getting started in the hot rodding stuff and uh he had he told me he had like a whole bunch of other people that were like please let me buy this and he told them no because he wanted me to buy it and uh <laughs> that was really cool of him Um, you know I paid 300 bucks for the trailblazer and there was another engine in the back with 60,000 nice. miles and that I paid another hundred dollars for and that's the engine that's Still in my Studebaker. So nice. Um, it's just more of a, a cool guy. You know, he, he was a shop teacher and uh, yeah. he, he loved, you know, helping kids with stuff. So it, it was just neat of him to do that.
0: That's cool.
1: Yeah. There was guys trying to outbid me, you know, <laughs> while I was trying to come and get the thing. So it was really cool of him. So,
0: right. Any, uh, any bad negotiations? You pull up, the car goes up, you have to pay more for it and you're willing to.
2: There has been. There's always the, the the worst ones are usually the ones where you buy it and you get it home and you go, oh crap, what did I do? <laughs> <You> know,
3: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We uh, we bought a 4.8 liter the one time. Oh, and the guy said, ready to go. You know, drop it in the car. It's you know, it's good to go. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, he told us it had pack 1218 valve springs. You know, all these LS nine cam. Yeah, LS you nine know. We pop the Valve cover once we got it home, of course, we should probably should have done it when we were there, but we've got the thing. He, he
0: wouldn't have let you, he'd be like, Oh, I don't have time, I gotta go, yeah,
1: right? Yeah. yeah, we popped the valve cover, it has blue valve springs. And if you don't know, that's LS6 valve springs. So right off yep. the bat, we're like, Okay, these are not 1218s, yep. And then uh, we ended up you know popping the cam out, um, just because we were like, By that t- point, we were like, Yeah, you're uh, like,
0: This isn't what he's talking yeah. about.
1: Yeah, we uh, it it was a stock truck cam, you know, just regular, you know, horrible, you know, 470 lift. Oh, yeah, thing. And uh, we popped the heads off, they're all pitted and ruined, and just it was just complete junk. (laughs) And we had paid more, you know, than we normally would, yeah, thinking it was a good piece. And
0: yeah, definitely not, definitely not. Yeah, (laughs) that's brutal. Um, I, I think sometimes.
2: anybody who's been through, you know, the hobby and uh, whether by hobby or by profession has gotten burned and oh, yeah. you, know, you, you really quickly learn how to um, go through some basic questioning as well as inspection to try and keep those uh, happenings to to a minimum. Um, yeah. You really gotta you, you gotta trust your instincts if uh, if it smells like uh, manure you don't need to taste it to in- <laughs> confirm the fact that it is
0: yep yeah. yeah, we uh, I bought a the 4l80 that's in my old truck um, I bought it and it didn't have a filter in it it didn't have the front seal in it or anything like that and so I was like okay so I put all that in after I figure all that stuff out which I didn't know much then and uh, so I get it all back together and it just never drove a hundred percent right. And so I take it to have a guy put a shift kit in it and just, I was like, man, there's just something weird. Not right. They had put the seal for the front pump in between the front pump. So it's just bleeding off pressure the entire time. So yeah. I learned that lesson that, that cost me an extra $200. Cause uh, you know, he was, he had to like search and take it all apart just to figure it out. You know.
1: Yeah. I b- bought a turbo 350 at a flea market and, He's like, oh, yeah, my trans builder, he's, you know, he's here. He'll he'll stop by, tell you all about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's good to go. It'll probably be, you know, 400 horsepower. You know, you're good. You know, get the thing home, get it in the car. Nothing. 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 No, <laughs> no, that's not true. It had,
2: uh, what, four neutrals? Five neutrals. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. Neutrals. It was, it had, was ready to go. go. <laughs> Turns
1: out he put the wrong, um, put the wrong, the um, wrong. The little d dent, the thing that pushes on the the little um, Oh nice. Yeah, you put the wrong length one in there and I changed that out because we got a pile of transmissions and changed that out and I fixed it. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. But still like you
0: go to put it in gear and it doesn't do anything, you're like,
1: oh
3: great.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is awesome. Where do we even start?
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, that's always the hard part. Um Let's see what else are I have here. Uh, let's talk about engine platforms that you guys have messed with, and then I want us to kind of lead that into some of the 4200 stuff.
2: Sure. Um, well, the earliest years were big block mopars, um, and then uh, small block Fords, big block Fords, uh, then Oldsmobile's, but uh, the most time that was spent, well, and I was helping on a team with uh, Buick v6 Buicks for a while. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, it, it was interesting to have uh, had an opportunity to see all of those architectures and to, uh, really evaluate the positives and negatives about each of those platforms I, I even owned a couple Cadillac v8s for a while there and from the different metallurgy to the ultimate oiling systems those kind of things it was fascinating that uh, there's an opportunity to enjoy every brand for a reason mm-hmm. you
3: know
2: the, the companies didn't last well okay Studebaker engines suck but um (laughs) the uh for the most part every engine um was um was a uh uh, a viable option but as i wanted to get more and more serious about racing i knew that rpm was the key Mm -hmm. uh you know, a lot of guys, and I, I teasingly say about the Studebaker engines suck. I'm hoping that there's a Studebaker fan online and uh, they realize that we've taken every one of them that we've had and converted them to Chevrolet power. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, that architecture even has something to offer. But uh, in, in truth, as you look at the different engines, it, it guys are always saying, you know, torque, torque, torque. Uh, you, you know what? Bullcrap. Uh, the torque is very important, but to make high-speed torque or make torque fast is the key, and that's horsepower. Yeah. And you, you know, you you say that to an old guy as he's running, you know, high 14s in his 4,000-pound barge. It's like, yeah, torque moves the barge, but yeah. you're never going to go fast without horsepower because horsepower is just making torque fast, and when you start That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you look at um, power in general, you know a lot of people have this uh, thought that you know an engine is just an air pump. No, it's not. It's a mechanical device that converts chemical energy to mechanical energy. The more chemical you get in it, the more mechanical you get out of it. And the fastest way to do that is either big inches, mm-hmm. high speed, or you blow it in there or you yeah. inject it in with nitrous. But yeah. the, the formula ultimately is how do you get as much chemical through that mechanical device as you possibly can? And in in the efforts to try and do it economically, that's where the bend towards going towards the chevrolet came because you could turn the rpms up on it back in 81. uh i was still in high school i was turning 8500
0: with a 283
2: and, and that's a bunch oh yeah but you could do that um mm-hmm. the engines would survive and you did that to the big pontiacs that i raced or the big automobiles you'd starve them for oil before you made any power. And that was a big Achilles heel. Uh, As time went on and the availability of good oil pans and the understanding of how to keep oil in the engine and the restrictors that you now put into the engines to limit how much goes to certain parts of the engine, that all uh, came to uh, reality through the 90s and 2000s, whereas back in the early 80s and you know when I started high school in 79. Um you know that's that that kind of stuff you, it, it was kind of like running LSs today. You ran an engine till it broke and you threw it away and you got another one out of the junkyard and it just right. had to be 350s or uh 455s and those kind of thing and everybody who had a 454 ooh that was the <laughs> the magic stuff that you couldn't <laughs> afford but you know the, uh, through the trials of breaking enough stuff you you come to the realization real quick that that small block Chevy was tough enough to take it and turn the rpms on and you know it doesn't take long that once you have enough small blocks a big block comes along and Man, once you once you get to enjoy that love.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's nothing like a big lumpy big block cam. You know what I mean? Like it just so you you were you were kind of hitting on some stuff that that I say all the time. Um, but do you think well, I'll say this about what you were saying. Do you think that we have seen the growth in I don't want to call it technology, but like in, in cam technology and things like that because you know, 50s, 60s, they were worried about building cars. It was like, okay, so-and-so had a V8, now we have to have a V8. But, like, then you have the kids of those engineers when the hot rod stuff came, well, then that next generation of kids wants to have, you know, they want to figure stuff out better. They want to have, you have 20 years of development. Well, a lot of times those kids growing up are eight years old, then they're 28 and they have a mechanical engineering degree from somewhere. And they're like, you know, dad was an engineer on a 283 Chevrolet engine. So, like, how can we take that and get better at that? So, you know, you, I feel like you just see a lot more generational help. And then, obviously, we've moved that into now there's complete companies that have R&D and there are whole departments of comp cams that just focus on how to get every inch of power and, uh, and stroke and everything out of out of any engine.
2: Well, I, I i think i think you have to tie it back to the fact that some of that technology came out of the Japanese market, and as much as that turns my stomach, the reality is that their emissions law were so much more stringent than ours that they were building much better engines for
0: longevity and. Sorry, my my dog is like, he's going crazy over here in this bed. I'm like, hey, calm down. (laughs) You know,
2: when you look at that period of time where the Japanese cars started to come in, which ultimately led to bringing in some of the better European cars, it forced the American car companies to start building better products. Yeah. It, it took until Detroit was on their knees with the foreign car market before they mm-hmm. got more serious about it. And then when the um, fuel efficiency requirements became one of the biggest focuses of the buying public, you saw major advances in the performance and then the emissions have just taken it to the whole next level. I. Yeah. Uh, again, there's there's certain chapters in our hobby's history that make my stomach turn, but the net benefit has been outstanding. when you look at how robust these engines are. And part of the driver of that is that in order for those vehicles to pass the pass the emission standards, they have to be built with tolerances that allow us to just abuse the tar <laughs> out of these things. Yes, um, and the need to have it, the focus on having a broad torque um, range, and what it did for the camshaft. So it's it's such a difficult thing to categorize in a very simple sentence you can't do that. Yeah. You know, the beneficiaries have been the younger generation each time because they're buying into things and they're smart enough to look at it. Whereas you know the dumb old plow boys like me, I'm looking for the biggest engine I can spin to high RPMs. And the young bucks are looking for the best technology and yep. a and a sound. <laughs>
0: Yes. Yeah. Hey, that's the way it works. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a, that's probably the best way to word it there, too. Um, so let's talk about these cam kits that I heard on a Studebaker video from a couple weeks ago. So, you know, for, for people that don't know, the 4200, really, there's not many folks that mess with it as far as aftermarket performance. Um, and the guys that do, I mean, are, are there even cam kits available for that rig?
1: Well, Schneider has been doing cams for a couple of years. I don't know if they ever actually had anybody use them. Wow. If they did, (laughs) they would run into issues. I mean, you know, I I got a hold of them um, after, um, you know, somebody else in the community, you know, revealed that they existed to me. And uh, he he had already gotten a set and he just installed them. And he's like, my valve train's making a bunch of noise. I don't know why. And I'm like... (laughs) the reground cams and you didn't take up the lash, did you? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. uh, You know, they, they recommended shimming it with, um, I think washers or something. And it, I mean, as I was like trying to do it, I'm like, well, there's nothing to hold the washer in. It can literally Mm -hmm. like rattle out of a little pocket. They, they recommend you put it in. And so um, basically that, that led me to, well, you got to figure out how to get this shim underneath of the lash adjuster, which is very similar to a lifter and like a push rod motor. Yep. You know, essentially you need to make, you know, your push rod longer to take up the lash. Yep. And um, so I tried welding the shim to the bottom of the lash adjuster. That didn't work too well because um, the, I guess the tolerances inside of the, the lifter mm-hmm. made it get stuck. And it, you know, basically got seized in a bad position. And uh, yeah, I had all kinds of valve train noise. (laughs) Yeah. So um, what I ended up doing was I was able to uh, locate some uh, taller lash adjusters for the intake side. And then for the exhaust side, it actually has a pocket that the shim can sit in. So you just shim the exhaust side, take the uh, lash adjusters, put them on the intake side. And then you can take up the lash of the camshaft and you don't have all kinds of valve train noise. So as far as I know, I'm the first one to actually get it to function correctly. I mean, I I talked to the guy that, you know, is, you know, the guy at Schneider and he's like, Oh, we never had any issues. And I'm like, I don't,
0: know yeah. <laughs> I don't Yeah, people. There's there's like 12 people driving around with just clattery 4200s. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're probably all in a junkyard
0: now. <laughs> yeah, they thought they were going to do something, put these cams in, and then it just is uh, brutal. So right. uh, you had said in that video you may end up selling some kits and things like that, and the, Yep, is, yeah, is that so we, coming around?
1: We, we, we recently uh, released it to the public. Um, nice. you, you can go to packracing.com. At paccracing.com uh, and you can go to the store and they're available there
0: so that's awesome yeah and but, so um from what i understand like the the na setup's worth like 50 horsepower and yeah, that's um, boost like 100
1: on, yeah that's based <laughs> off a of calculation so we gained uh, 100 horsepower at 26 pounds of boost the uh, stock cams made 605 to the wheels that's and awesome. then the uh, cammed setup made uh, 713, so over 100. Yeah. Um, and we recently found I had, I had been experimenting with uh, two different lash adjusters while I was developing the cam kits, and I found that the lash adjusters that I was using originally actually were uh, uh, not getting all of the lift out of the cam as what um, they should. Um, wow. Just the oil was getting out of the. It wasn't sealing in the bore. Mm-hmm. So it actually is probably worth even more than that. But uh, we haven't actually gone back to the dyno to find out the final number.
2: That's next month's test. <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> it's probably you know maybe 120, maybe 130, 40. And one that's million. huge. My, my, that's money's huge. my money's on about 50 more. Yeah. So I mean, it you can tell that the. the there's a very different tone to the engine when it gets into the higher RPM. So it's clearly, it it's worth something. Um, Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that, yeah, that the
2: the engine has more of a fumpy percussion in its exhaust note. You can tell that the things really make a noise and the, uh, you know, we're looking at, all kinds of data, and likely going to see a little bit more stability in the VVT control, which is going to give. There's some. There's some. There's some good uh, opportunity here for us to see some some good numbers. And
0: yeah, that's you know, crazy.
2: We don't want to promise anything, but ultimately, uh, next month's testing is going to be uh, something that we're going to be excited to share.
3: Yeah.
1: So based on that percentage gain in boost, we multiplied that by the, the factory horsepower um, rating at, you know, naturally aspirated and that's where we got the 50 horsepower. So. That
0: makes sense. And and that's a great jump on, I mean, what, what are the cubic inches on these things? Like
1: 254.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yep. that's a pretty big jump. Yep. Yeah.
1: It's the, the comparison that people always make with these motors is the uh, the 4.8 liter LS engine versus mm-hmm. the the 4.2, um, the 4.8 I believe is rated at like 295, and these are rated at 291 in the uh, the later wow. the later ones with the um, uh, the better heads. So it's mm-hmm. it's a um, it's what uh, like 40 cubic inches less. Yeah, 40 cubic inches less, mm-hmm. and it makes um very close Four to horsepower the, less yeah makes very close to the same horsepower so
0: yeah it it definitely and I would think the the potential is there and then again it goes back to if you have a trailblazer and you have this engine in it like there's no necessarily uh there's not a reason to to make an LS swap I mean just mess with this thing a little bit throw a turbo on this deal because that's what's going to happen if you're going to put an LS in one anyways you're probably going to end up with a turbo on it at some point <laughs> You know, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the way life works. Hang on, I've got a, my wife is asking about something yeah. here, real quick. Just um,
1: a, you just need an alternator, right? You know,
0: it's just, yeah, it's,
1: a, it's an <laughs> alternator,
0: right? Yeah, that's fine. Like, no, you just need it. <laughs> turbo stuff is way more fun. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, have you guys done much blower stuff, or is it mainly been turbo stuff? We, we've we done some blower stuff, um uh, but we're more focused
2: on the turbos for a lot of reasons. The uh, I mean, they sound
0: better, they're cooler, I get it.
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's um, where you make your power is a big issue. We, mm-hmm. we, when we originally did the uh, Nova, we did the uh, LSA supercharger on the yep. uh, uh, engine. And without spending a lot more money than you need to to make turbos work, you, you have to focus on... Uh, cleaning up the inlet into the supercharger, co- the cooling of it becomes an issue, and it is absolutely in a, an amazing piece to use for low-end s- torque, yeah. but as you get up in the RPMs, they, they run out, whereas the turbos will just keep on going when you size them correctly, so yeah. You end up with comparatively a four thousand pound or sorry, four thousand dollar system that runs out where I want it to function the best. Or you can spend a thousand dollars and have something that's going to, you know, put a smile on your face the whole way home. <laughs> uh uh-huh. And, you know, the packaging challenges uh, can't be discounted, but ultimately what you get out of the package is so much more that uh, when you look at the fundamentals of how they work, it takes so much drive horsepower to make a supercharger work. The um, factory Eaton numbers showed, I believe the um, power power, driving power to make the LSA supercharger work. I forget what the RPM was. That was what, 6,000 RPMs? Not sure. It's um, whatever the factory ratio, I think, for a six uh, 6,000 RPM combination. It was 61 horsepower. And that's a bunch. That's a bunch. And when you look at the parasitic loss of driving your turbos comparatively, the you only have one of your cycles of the engine is used to drive that. That's the exhaust. And when you look at the supercharger, whether it's an intake, compression, power, exhaust, you're driving that supercharger every single stroke of every single cylinder and on the turbocharger it's only on the discharge on the exhaust side and most of that drive is coming from the high cylinder pressure that's generated as you're exhausting it out of the system there is back pressure that you have to account for and it does create pumping loss but your drive the most of your drive Comes from that high pressure with the immediate release and blowdown, which converts to velocity that spins the turbo. So your your losses are substantially lower, and that that turns into rear tire power. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, in the world that I live in, with uh, you know, like a VS Racing 70, 75, you know, I mean, I gave three hundred and fifty dollars for a Gen One billet wheel. And now I can go buy a gen two and a half for what 750 bucks. Like, yep. even with both of those, I'm not close to owning a LSA, yep. you know. And so, so, my, for me, monetarily, that makes sense. And then there's a lot of guys we have a buddy that had a, a gen one 7875 cast, you know, like the first thing it came out with. Uh, and he just went like a 993 and he bought a 8088. I mean, yep. for. Seven or eight hundred bucks, and that car's going to go, you know, low nines now. So,
1: yeah, the price to get the kind of supercharger that we would want, you know, to make the power that we would want, it would be, it would be ten grand. I mean, yeah,
0: it's just yeah, you, you need a big Whipple or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That's six yeah. two 6 two point six. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yep. Um, so do we want to talk about grassroots motorsports or do we want to talk about not a gasser gasser? <laughs> we'll talk about anything you want. <laughs> well, let's start with the not a gasser gasser because, uh, in the video I, I had commented about the stool age. I want to know about that. Cause in that video, that stool, I'm telling you, it's been around. There's been some butts on that thing over the years. Um, it's the right height for working on a car on jack stands <laughs> and brakes. Um, and then your explanation of why you place the shackles on the back and not the front.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I was like, that, like, that's the kind of attention to detail that people need to understand. I'm going to go find that video while you kind of tell, uh, tell us the story behind that car because it's a super cool background story on that car and then lead us into where it's headed.
2: I'll try not to be too long winded on that, but it's you know, I after sharing this story with Matt, I realized there were so many little details that uh, I didn't include, and I'm going to include one of them. Uh, in in this, as I shared the story with Matt, I had met the guy in 2006 down in Florida, we became fast friends after he reached out on a public forum and people got us connected and we, we turned out to be living seven miles from each other. And our interests were such that uh, we went to the jalopy meet that was held local. And when we came back, he asked what car would I want to build in it. and it? I shared with him that I wanted to do the uh, 54 Studebaker. Mm-hmm. And one of the detail items that I didn't share in the, uh, in the, conversation that we had with Matt was uh, my friend Tim was sitting there in the break room at Harley and he had a magazine open and the magazine was opened up to a picture of one of these 54 Studebakers and a guy came walking past him, reached over his shoulder, pointed at the picture and said, I own one of those and just kept on walking. Well, Tim, being a very uh, energetic, excited person, chased him down on the production floor and said, what do you mean? And sure enough, it turned out to be exactly what I was looking for. Wow.
1: We call him him Tim Tim because he's too big for one Tim. (laughs) He is a big dude.
2: And uh, just a big, lovable guy who just, you know, has been... Uh, a friend to our family and he in That's his great. excitement when he called me to tell me that he located the car to to live that moment where, you know, I'm standing at the podium and he's yelling into my phone and I'm trying to hang up on him and he's, dude, I found your car and the contractors <laughs> are just rolling across the floor thinking this is hysterical watching this get get him off the phone and hold my finger at the place where all my papers are spread out on the podium oh man and so only this big and i've got six documents open (laughs) so you know getting that car and having us go through so many trials and tribulations as a family with the family health issues that uh, uh the serious health issues my oldest son had and and having people come to help us out and a friend ultimately uh reaching out to us and saying that he wanted to help sponsor us it it it, it led to the opportunity to run those records with that car with so much joy wow just because we had climbed a mountain so steep. And, you know, when David Freiberger interviewed us just before we set our very first record with that car, what a neat opportunity to just have all these people who are people that people recognize across the country are all around me. And here's Joe Nobody (laughs) out of York, Pennsylvania, with this decrepit looking old car and an icon in our hobby is talking to me. And I that's pretty awesome. I, I really enjoyed that um privilege to get to know him uh on a number of conversations and uh it led to some great conversations that we had in Norwalk Ohio at another race and uh uh, one of the pictures that he took of our blown-up transmission from uh, a failure that we had in 2011 ended up in Hot Rod magazine. And wow, uh, you know we've we've had the privilege to be in Hot Rod uh, 11 times. And wow, that's cool. It's we've actually been in there 13 times, but 11 <laughs> of them were very specific. This is us. The others were references or were in the you know we in the yeah. background, tied to something. Yeah, but uh, the the car at high speed. We, we set eighteen records with that car.
0: That's awesome.
2: Oh yeah, it's it, land speed racing is absolutely the most euphoric adventure you can have in, <laughs> in car driving. Um, Class racing in and of itself is something that I absolutely love. Um, Strict rules that you have to comply with, who built the best mousetrap with the common set of rules. And to be the guy who has that record is something that is um, satisfying at a level that is literally impossible to describe. You have to
0: experience it. Well, and and that's what I was thinking earlier with the the question about that was because like you guys like going into a rule book and and reading it and understanding at that level is is awesome. Well, it's
2: you have to you have to know what the limits are, mm-hmm. and I I just underlined the word limits. <laughs> 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 everything below that limit, everything around that limit, if it's, if it's a limit, it's a limit. But if it's not a limit, why do you do it? Yeah. And you have to rethink everything. And when we started land speed racing, a lot of people took notice to the fact that we leaped a lot of records forward very quickly we approached it with an extremely different mindset because most guys were coming from the uh, salt flat and the uh, West coast style racing. And we were coming to the East coast and we came with a different tire. I had wow. gotten approval to run a different kind of tire. We had a different shock package. We had a different um, uh, thought process on a lot. of One, I was too dumb n- to not know <laughs> that, My drag racing had a greater influence, and at risk of saying the wrong thing, uh, a land speed race is not a long drag race. It is so different. You're the back end of the car is set up more like a drag car, and the front end set up more like an autocross car. You know, it's, it's oh wow, okay. You know, your your control of your suspension displacement is a very critical part of keeping the car stable and how you valve the shock is a very different uh approach than uh a drag race car a drag race car only has to go thirteen hundred twenty feet
3: yeah
0: six
2: hundred and sixty feet
0: and there's there's a lot of bad that you can do to that car and it'll still go down that way fast
2: it will and um uh the big difference that you don't recognize is the fact that it's such a short sprint that the forward thrust keeps the car stable. Whereas at land speed racing, you are going for so long that the wind loads start to make the car, as you start to equalize your front end load of force from the wind to the forward thrust load from your tires when when that equals out that car moves around (laughs) a lot more and that's where your understanding of shock and springs really comes into play because you you get too much air underneath the car and that thing turns left or right on you you could you could be in trouble so fast and and we've been very fortunate that uh talking to the right people Uh, understanding those dynamics, um, helped us to, um, uh, get to a point where that, that car went on a series of passes that, um, I think there was, uh, 14 or 15 passes in a row. That car set a record. That's awesome. It was, uh, it was really neat. I look forward to going back, um, you know, at the time that we were doing that, uh, Maxton was very convenient. You know, it was 550 miles from the house. It was just you know, jump in the truck and show up, and
0: then you get to go <laughs> race. Yeah, just 1,100 mile round trip weekend.
2: <laughs> well, and, and and quite frankly, that that is for us. You know, we've wow. we've, we've um, on more than one occasion finished up a race, jumped in the truck, and drove a 1,000 miles. Uh, You know, we finished a race in um, uh, Oklahoma. Was that Oklahoma or Kansas? That was Oklahoma. Uh, We finished up a race. It was drag week, actually. We finished up drag week. My wife said, I want to go home. 22 hours, 40 minutes later, we had driven 1,240 miles, and we were sitting out back here unloading
0: the truck. You're a wild man. Listen. Yeah. At the end of race week, I was like, I made this comment earlier to my to my co pilot. There was like a two and a half hour ride home, and it was an hour and a half of it. We didn't say a word to each other. <laughs> no, it was like I don't even want to see you anymore. Like, could have used the day to relax. I can not imagine getting in the truck and rolling after that week.
2: Well, we we hammered across the country, and and you know we didn't talk much because my wife was asleep. But fortunately, <laughs> you know she she works hard to help support what we got going. She, uh, when I, when I started to run out of gas, uh, well, I ran out of fuel in the truck and ran out of gas in my body, uh, (laughs) about four, about four o'clock in the morning, I had finally wore out and, uh, I started slowing down for an exit and, uh, my wife woke up and, and, um, I said, hey, we're probably going to have to get a hotel, and she's like, I've been sleeping all this time. I'll take over, and sure enough, she she jumped in the driver's seat, and I was able to get a 40-minute power nap, and I took over after that, and Yeah. then we hammered uh, across Illinois, Indiana, made it into Ohio, and I started to get tired again, and uh, she was like, got you covered (laughs) uh, i was able to power nap again and then uh uh, that was about 30 40 minutes and then i jumped in the seat again and we we hammered from uh, west ohio all the way home and uh you know it was 22 hours 40 minutes but you know to have her support like that and have have somebody i can count on and not have to worry about or am i going to be in the ditch soon you guys (laughs) right you know but uh you know, there's many times we'll get up four o'clock in the morning in Gainesville, Ohio, and, you know, yeah. we'll be we'll be sitting at the house 15 hours later awesome. after a race. Sorry, what did Gainesville, I say? Florida. <laughs> I meant to say Florida.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like oh. I've never heard of Gainesville, Ohio, and I didn't think it was 15 hours. I was like, nah, OK, he's talking about Florida. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. But, you know, awesome. the, hardest,
2: uh, the hardest run that we make is actually uh, only an 800 mile run. And that's the trip up to Loring, Maine, because you've got to get past New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts. I mean, you talk <laughs> about
0: people lacking talent. <laughs> they all got issued a license. <laughs> right. They're just cramming all the people on the on the same roads. That makes it pretty tough. Yeah. Um, Danny uh, is the reason we're doing 12 Pots of Christmas. He's asked, uh, what's the fastest you went on the land speed? Uh, the Studebaker's
2: uh, gone uh, 179.644 miles an hour. Um, it uh, That car made 413 horsepower to the back tires, and aero drag was around 389. If we would have had more runway, we could have probably done it. But in a, in the mile and a half, uh, it was very consistent, 176, 177 to 179. Um, wow. In the mile, it was very consistent to go 168, and that's with just a flat top 350. That had uh, um, <laughs> the story of the three dollar cam. I'll share that with you. I, I bought three cams at the flea market uh, up at Kreitz, and uh, I stuck the biggest one in, and that's the that's the camshaft that was used in the uh, car that set the 18 records. So. Uh, <laughs>
0: He'd that's see. a uh, That's a that's a good value right there.
2: <laughs> yeah, we got our money's worth out of it. <laughs> yeah.
0: that's awesome. Uh, we had we had a request up here earlier too. Um, backfires and burnouts has a great channel. If if all the folks listening jump over there, it's good stuff. Uh, just getting started. Looks like he's been on doing it about a year. But uh, him and his son Liam are watching right now uh, on the TV. So thanks for them watching. Appreciate that for sure and uh, and all the people making comments in the chat I'm I'm hitting the ones as we as we go along here like half fast as uh, my ex did like old cars notice I said ex <laughs> <laughs> um, all right so let's see uh, that kind of runs us through some of the gas, the Studebaker stuff 54 Studebaker what's yeah. the what's the future plan of that car uh right. drag week stuff
2: yeah eventually it probably will end up there But uh, a friend of mine and I had been talking about the fact he is a very good um, bracket racer with a manual transmission. Oh, nice. And he's building a business and ultimately the opportunity to build a separate car doesn't it it doesn't line up with his current uh, uh, equations. And I'm at a point where I want to get back into bracket racing, but I want to also be involved with nostalgia racing and I wouldn't mind going back to drag week with a car that would fit into the Gator classes. Yeah. And with all that said, I knew that the Studebaker was not going to be going back land speed racing. I'd learned enough about the car that um, with the limited horsepower that I had, I couldn't carry a heavier uh, weight to keep mm. the car stable. And, similar cars to ours at 160 miles an hour have about a 540 pound tail lift and at 180 miles an hour it has a 710 mile pound lift and when you look at pictures of our car going through the top end of the track that back end is jacked up in the air so high it it, it's almost scraping the nose and what I was finding is um, I was spinning the tire from 160 miles an hour up so bad, my tack would jump from 7,300 to 8,100. And we were wow. we were pounding transmissions out of the car mm-hmm. because it was, it was going from 7,381, 7,381, 7,381. And every time it's bouncing off the rev limiter and then re-hooking up, it's just pounding the transmission. And we, um, yeah, we we knew that to be more competitive, you had to throw weight, which means more power, or you put a tail wing on it. And we're thirty miles an hour under those records. Could wow. we have pursued them with downforce? No, because we still didn't make the power. So yeah. ultimately, our next opportunities are going to be in a more modern design car it's a third gen camaro the car is probably 50 percent built at this point we've got the cage so so are you guys
0: are you growing it are you growing the mullet come on no <laughs> come on it'd be awesome i, you I, I lived through that up. era i don't need
2: to go back <laughs> that's awesome Truth, truth be known, it was long enough down my back that uh, they were longer than the shears, and that only happened once. <laughs> but no, it's um, that, that's a very... You, you, the choice for that car is, you know, economical platform, very good uh, uh, arrow numbers, all things considered. When you look at the uh, development that the... Um, aftermarket did working with gm to create the irocs for the series and also for the iroc z
3: Uh,
2: there is some very good uh information available on those chassis to help make that a formidable chassis and the fact that i could pick one up for 300 bucks was that I was <laughs> gonna say
0: we're in that window where that third gen is is oh, yeah. like you know it, there's gonna be a point where it's gonna come up and nice ones yeah, now bring big money. They're, they're yeah. To. yeah,
2: yeah, they're 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 they're. It's funny when when I we travel all over, third gens up here are starting to get hard to come by, and you go down south and they're they're more affordable, yeah, and yeah. you can every trailer touch, park. You can't touch a try five around <laughs> here, and. I run down to Florida and I went up dragging one home because it's, it's, yeah. it's so upside down from what's going on here. But, you know, I, I personally like the third gen. Um, mm-hmm. they were brand new as I was uh, going through, um, college or excuse me, through high school and then into college. And, uh, the first car that I looked at when I got out of school, I, it's funny. Now I'm going to go sideways on your
0: hair. Um, <laughs> we got time for that. I don't care.
2: I started college 1983 and it happened to be the week that Chevrolet introduced the, um, uh, Monte Carlo SS. And I promised myself that I was going to buy myself one of those when I make it through school. And I got through school and I got out and I started looking for one and I couldn't find one, couldn't find one. So the first car I actually looked at was my second love and that was an IROC Z. And uh I climbed in the car, drove it around and it was a 350 um powered one. It was mm-hmm. the good one. Yeah. And it didn't take long to make the decision that this is not going to happen. I'm going to hold out. And fortunately, I ultimately did buy my SS and uh both the boys were brought home from the hospital in the back of that uh
0: uh yeah, one of that. Yes.
2: So yeah. Um, you know, we've put a hundred and six thousand miles on that thing and ultimately it got traded in on a uh tourist wagon. What? Oh <laughs> I, I,
0: did, I didn't buy a minivan, I'm still cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now uh was that the the UFO? Taurus wagon, or was no, it the it was one prior pre UFO? Okay, okay, I get, we'll let that slide this one time.
2: <laughs> it, it, but, it was, it was, it was something we needed at the time between both boys. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's my, I again, I give my. Yeah, even a,
0: though a Monte Carlo door is eleven feet long, it's still pretty hard to get car seats and little kids in the back.
2: And that's exactly what happened. I, I was, I, I, I spent a lot of time on the road working. Uh, my wife. Uh, To her credit, we did the biggest portion of raising the boys, and we both agreed that I, if I had, uh, you know, (laughs) I I asked her one time, I hinted the fact of um, uh, if she could think about maybe getting a job, and she looked at me square in the eye and said, if you got to get a second job, too bad. And from that point on, I took every hour of overtime that I could at the place where I was at. And I, I spent a lot of time on the road and a lot of time doing uh, working. And I got off the road and I was in the living room and Paula was trying to get the boys into the back of the car. And I looked out the window and, and she is literally struggling to get both the boys back there and all the stuff and get them buckled in. And I thought this is not going to continue. So I went out to the garage. Uh, At that time we had a local um, sales place for, it was a magazine auto locator. If you've ever heard of it, where you could sell parts, sell cars. I put every part I had in the garage into the next issue. And within a week I had sold everything off and we traded the Monte Carlo in and got the wagon and, it was a tough pill to swallow, but in in, in yeah. you know all credit to her, she put up with that without complaining one single time. And yeah, and uh, uh, we needed a wagon. We were we were a family. What's
0: What's funny is you go from Monte Carlo SS. So there's a there's a kid down the street from your house that that car drove by, and you don't know him today, but he that is his car that he'll buy one day, right? And then he doesn't see it anymore. And he's like, where did that car go? And he rides his bike down there and sees a tourist wagon. And it's like, what has happened?
2: At least I, uh, at least I uh, had the 56 with the big block in it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that makes a big
0: difference. Yeah. Two, two fun cars makes it kind of tough for dailies. Uh, that, that's pretty wild. Let's see. What, what were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about something, um, so we gave Liam the shout out. I want to say thanks to, to Backfires and Burnouts. Uh, appreciate the, the donation, man, for sure. All that's going to help us on Sick Week, uh, which is coming up in like five weeks. I'm so ready. It's the first time I'll co-pilot something, so I feel bad for Justin, the dude that's driving it. Uh, he's We're taking a 29 Model A with a 350 and a 671 on it, so it ought to be pretty fun. Absolutely. It's not, cool. yeah, not not going to be fast, Turbo 350. I think 340 gears. It's got like 18 inch Mickey Thompson's on the back and green flames, flat black, you know, so it it ought to be a ton of fun, but to be around, you know, there's three, five second confirmed cars that are going to be there. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty wild.
2: That that community is one of the greatest communities to be tied to. Not, not only do you have that common interest, but the, you have the common goal, and that is to get everybody there. When, yeah. when we did that, and we, I can only compare that to the land speed community. Mm-hmm. Everybody is going so far to go where they're going, and everybody has that common goal to set a record. Yeah. And the unity and the lack of, um, lack of attitude, the lack of, uh, ego, ego
3: yeah.
2: is yeah. absolutely phenomenal. We, I remember we broke down in Oklahoma. Um, oh my gosh, that was what? 2011. We had made it up out of Amarillo, Texas, and we we broke down in the desert. No, we didn't break down. We ran out of gas in the desert in um, Texas. And that story is a blast to tell. This, the, the farmer whose house we stopped in front of. Um, he pulls up to us on the wrong side of the road, and I am like, hey, dude, you know, there's like 300 cars coming this direction. And he's like, eh, nobody drives up this road. I was like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. Math. And I just happened to be one of the first guys out. So I'm, I'm filling up our Henry J, and there is nothing out there except cactuses and... <laughs> He, he after talking to him for a little while he says well if you need anything that's my place over there i look i was like that's over a mile away <laughs> and he looks at me he says well my driveway is a little over a mile long and and i look down the road and it's like it's a mile down to his driveway i was like <laughs> hey, you must have a big place he's like Nah, I got one of the small places. I was like, "Oh my god, dude, you you're in Big about? Sky Country." He says, "Well, I only got about twenty five hundred acres," and I'm like, "That's a small place. What's a big place?" He says, "Oh, all my neighbors have at least nine thousand acres." I'm like, "Jeez." So we get out of we get out of Texas. We get on up into um Oklahoma, and we ended up picking up a miss in the engine that ended up shutting down the engine. And there were 10 guys who eventually had caught up to us. They would not leave us yeah. until we were in a safe place and almost had to give them permission to go on yep. to their hotels. Yep. And that camaraderie and that commitment to each other the only other place I've ever felt that level of commitment is in land speed racing. Yeah. The people, your competitors, your uh, fellow racers are so committed to your success yep. that if you haven't experienced it, you have missed the better part of our sport.
0: Yes. Yes. 100%. And the cool thing about like, I haven't done any land speed stuff, but I know and drive and, even your the people within your class they want to beat you at your best yep, yep. you know we're always in unlimited because the cart doesn't have any body panels and so it's always fun the first round of every day uh, that we get to go up with those guys we're you know we're running against like seven and eight second cars so like a lot of times I would just red light and have the camera on and they just <laughs> Actually, <laughs> like 130 miles an hour, you know, and I'm just like, ah, maybe we we'll go 100 this lap. I don't know. So, it yeah, made for great content. Yeah. It,
2: it truly does, and in it, we in our gasser adventure, or sorry, our gasser, our drag week adventures, three times we took a gasser, and that community, oh is yeah, man, really neat because as everybody really has grown to understand the gasser class is about the toughest class out there oh yeah the cars are the most difficult to drive they're most affected by the weather they're the most affected by crosswinds and you know when you when you're coming across uh kansas and you're pulling into dodge city and you have to hit the brakes so a tumbleweed can go by and you're sitting there going I thought that was in the movies, and it's it's happening in life. But you go through the prairies, and you go through some of these uh,
0: areas; those cars are difficult to. I can only imagine. um you're, you're that's not um, the that's not leading edge technology for front suspension
2: <laughs> now buggies uh buggies have a lot in common <laughs> yeah. but it, it 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 forces you know fortunately for myself i i grew up in the era when um a lot of straight axle stuff was very common at the drag strips you know it, it, the gasser classes had ended in 71 But in 77, when I started going to the drag strip on a regular basis, there were a lot of those old cars still around. And the end of the gassers were um, all low to the ground. And uh, they weren't these freak shows that you see today out there that people, you know, if it's got a straight axle, it's a gasser. Oh, yeah. Not. (laughs) So, our, 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 Uh, the title of that video that you were referring to, it's not a gasser is more to poke fun at the folks that claim everything Mm -hmm. with a straight axle is truth be known. That car was a drag car in 1959 through the early sixties. And it was an old gasser, but it's not something that you stand on without having all the documentations for. So back to my friend, as we talked about, um, the fact that he's a good racer, he runs a manual, can't afford a car. I wanted to do something with the car, and it just made sense. Let's make this a bracket car with a straight axle. That I can run at Drag Week because the rules aren't so stringent there that you have to be period correct. You have to have a certain group of parts that is synonymous with an older car but you don't have to have the gasser police looking over your shoulder going that's not a real gasser yeah, <laughs> <need the> generator. <laughs> it's it's uh i appreciate the guys who race in those series that are dedicated to the um more authentic appearance but at the same time they allow way too much stuff in that wasn't real let's let's be truthful here if it was built after seventy one, it's not a gasser. It's
0: gasser style. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably the best way to put. It. And, and in that video, you talk about that a little bit. I think that was probably the best way to word it. And then you know, uh, I think I'll end up building a freak show, as you say, because well, uh, it's street who, freak. who doesn't like this and yeah, and street, movies and-
2: I love street freaks. but call street freak a street freak. You know that that the, the, the uh, Hemi Grammy is a yeah. street freak. Uh, when you look at what happened to a lot of the um, uh, gassers, uh, or uh, they got their noses lowered. Most of them were race cars that were kept racing, or they ended up in a museum because as the rules changed, the cars weren't legal. Yeah, you know that the emulations are important. You know the true period of time that they're trying to make their cars look like they came from, they had stock frames up until 67, 68. Oh, wow. In 68, I have a copy of all the rule books. It wasn't until...
0: I knew I liked you guys.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't until late 67 when you actually saw guys not running front brakes and you started to see spoke wheels on there. You never saw a spoke wheel on a gasser from the mid 60s, because they were all required to have front brakes. So in 68, when they stopped requiring that, it was more common to see those wheels. But Goodyear had come out with the Blue streak tire. The front ends had all come down because now you had a tire that grabbed traction, whereas before you had to rely on pitch rotation, get that thing up on the back tires. And Mm -hmm. and we drew the parallels to it and the modern day um, no, prep. no prep racing intentionally because these guys are fighting with crappy surfaces where mm-hmm. the guys in the 60s were dealing with crappy tires and uh, some of the uh, strategies and techniques that the guys were using in the gasser days are the same thing that they're doing today in no prep. A lot of front end travel, a lot of pitch mm-hmm. rotation, high center of gravity, high center of gravity and uh, excessive rear weight which makes the cars uh, unstable at times in driving. And yeah. the love affair with watching guys uh, fight these cars down the track. Is as real today as it was in the 60s when the yep. guys were doing it for real with these gassers.
0: And I can't imagine doing that not having front brakes. <laughs> like bro, the, 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 men, the, real men. Yeah, the gasser guys though had to have brakes
2: when they had the cars way up in the air. Um the the, the premise of that class was that it had to be a street legal car that ran on gasoline. And as you watch the transition of the class through the years, um, they didn't have to be street legal. Mm. That opened up the headers. You know, if you over see the, the dump offs, you know, the, the early cars had exhaust systems with pipe dumps because they had to be street legal. They had the factory inner fenders, they had working. Uh, windshield wipers and all that that stuff all disappeared going through the the 60s and the cars um, then the you know the high nose position as the power levels went up and they Mm -hmm. uh, started getting some real serious power levels in them they had to get the cars up onto the tires and when when the blue streaks came out and the traction was there, they were able to bring them back down. But by then, there was a lot of people focused on uh, get the original frames out. If you look mm. at uh, George's,
0: how, uh, how many bumpers were ripped off the first couple of times those dudes went to real tire? <laughs> like just <laughs> well, you saw a lot of
2: uh, creative wheelies, uh, wheelie bars, and uh, tires back there. You know, they were hard mounted to the uh, chassis. They weren't spring loaded like uh, the wheelie bars of today. And they would literally jump the back tires off the ground mm-hmm. uh, getting onto those back tires. But, you know, it, just to conclude that the the earliest version of that Mustang that George had actually had the Willys frame in it because the, the factory frame, a factory frame, not the factory frame. Rule was still in play, and that that car was built onto an old chassis. And it was the very next year when uh, they allowed for the uh, tubing uh, that got used. And so you look at a lot of a lot of cars that are being built today; they're sky high, and they got box tubing front ends. And I I'm not the gasser police. There's there's enough people out there to whine and cry about what the rules should be. But it 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 it's really interesting to see the the, the confusion that it's causing. Um, anything with a straight axle is a gasser. Oh and, yeah, immediately. And, and hence the video name. It it's just <laughs> you got a car that was there, and we're not calling it a gasser.
0: No. <laughs> so so you guys will take that. And that, are you going to keep the setup that's in it? Then it's just the you said flat top three fifty setup. Or are you going to
2: yeah. We'll, we'll, cool. we'll keep that in there. We'll see how that runs. But uh, by the time it's ready to run at uh, Drag Week, because um, I, I loved being in the in the gasser class. We took yeah. a Henry J and the Studebaker, the 60 Studebaker Lark that we had. Um, and uh, those those were real fun cars to take. But as far as a power plant, we may end up putting a 383 in it. Uh, it'll yeah. It'll be small block. And it'll be something that can turn some RPM, but it won't be so radical that uh, I need to worry about my valve train you know, right yeah. now. That engine, you know, running a six fifty lift cam in a small block is no big deal. You can you can drive that thing for across the country and not have mm-hmm. to worry about it with modern valve springs.
0: But yes, yeah,
2: yeah man. that that car um, that car was actually a race car. Uh, that was started in 1971. Uh, the last time it was driven on the street was 1970. It was used as a uh, uh, insurance salesman's uh, daily driver, and then nice. he turned it into a uh, a hot rod. Uh, and he put a 283 out of a 61 uh, uh, Chevy in it and had fun. It burnout mobile did a little bit yeah. of racing. And then, you know, as his life progressed, he threw it into a barn. And through unfortunate circumstances, um, that vehicle was taken. (laughs) Somebody's
0: (laughs) What's, What's hilarious is the sheriff's department is literally right across the street from me. And, like, we hear that all the time. Like, it's like people just intentionally just there's a stoplight and then, Uh, right at a quarter mile it's the sheriff's department so can't catch me (laughs) yeah right okay it it works out really well when i'm testing tires on the old truck because i'll pull out and i'll like kind of give it the look and then just mad it and you know you know how turbo ls's go oh yeah (laughs) so
2: you know that 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 thing ended up being pulled out of the barn it was stored in and shoved behind the barn and it sat there so long that the engine filled up with water it rusted out the cylinder walls yeah.
0: wow. Uh, wow uh you open it up and the the are just laying on the outer walls oh uh, uh, it was it we was took
1: the drain plug out and it was just like water 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 <laughs> water water, water <laughs> and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: that's crazy um i, I do want to answer dirty panda here he had said rob lipinski i don't know if you guys know him he's got like a 52 or four uh yellow chevrolet he calls old yeller that's twin turbo ls uh, yeah. the gasser car yeah uh, he he is going to be on he's going to be our one of our first guests in 2022 okay. cool yeah, he, he's a great dude i love their family they're building a uh um, I Think it's a Henry J, but it's getting like a full 2015 Camaro interior in like six cylinder engine and, and uh, suspension, and everything really neat car, neat,
1: nice. nice, yeah,
0: yeah. They, uh, they have their brains are like y'all's, like they're like, we can do this, and they just he just starts doing it, and it's it's pretty neat. They've got a, a cool um, their channel is Twisted Iron LLC, so okay, anyways, yeah. But he'll be on too, so so that's exciting. Yeah, you know, I got to get all my gasser folks in here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys want to pivot real quick and talk about some grassroots motor, motor sports and how you got involved in that and what all classes you've ran and things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. We um in two thousand four.
2: Well, in two thousand two, a good friend of ours ended up going to the competition and that year they had a special class the 2002 bmw in a you know to celebrate and when he got down there he called up and he said these people are your people because he knew (laughs) that i enjoyed the low buck racing always have always will i really appreciate uh when a person uses their noodle instead of their wallet but yeah, um, when he came back, he he had he was so convincing that uh, I should participate. I, I I surprise, surprise! I picked up a Nova for fifty bucks, <laughs> and I put the. <laughs> I whole knew place- I liked your style. <laughs> yeah, giddy up! <laughs> I I put this thing together, and long story short. There was a person who showed up, saw the car, and he either hated money or loved that car way more than I do. But I did not take our first challenge car to the challenge. So uh, it got sold. That was 2003, 2004. I was given a uh, Chevy Nova. Surprise, surprise. uh, You're kind
0: of like the Nova guy. Like yeah, we're we're I'm picking up on that. I've heard that <laughs> like if, somebody's like, man, I hate this stupid Nova. I'm going to sell it for fifty bucks. You're like, call Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> <you do?" laughs>
2: so we picked up the seventy seven Nova for free, and we took one thousand one hundred and sixty two pounds out of the car. Wow! And we took it to Florida, not knowing anything about the event other than I'm good at drag racing. So let's go drag racing. Yeah. And first pass off the trailer. Tell them about the the road. Oh, my gosh. No, that was the second day. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the the first day of the event um, was the drag race. And I fired this thing up, and I unloaded from the trailer. And immediately, there's 77 teams competing. Oh, man. And the hate the utter hate that started flowing towards us that's was absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So that's that four door had 1,162 pounds cut out of it. If it wasn't needed to hold the body up, it was cut out. It was that's great. Gone. <laughs> and um, so, it weighed it with me in it and a full tank of gas, 2727 pounds. That picture is actually in was in Hot Rod Magazine.
0: Wow, that's cool.
2: And um we rolled right off the trailer at 1084. The heat got much more intense, and um we finished the day running a 1065, the track had just gotten Absolutely horrible. So the next day we uh had the autocross portion of the event. Well, that year they held it on the road course. And I didn't know jack squat about autocrossing. So I was like, <laughs> all right, let's let's air the tires down so that it's got a bigger foot. Well, I, I just about rolled the car ten times, but the fastest car of the day went through the backstretch on that road course at 70 miles an hour. And I was going a little over 100. <laughs> oh, dang. It, I, it was straight enough that I could just lay on the thing. And it's funny, the video, the car goes flying through the video. And then the smoke starts coming up in the background. I had disappeared <laughs> from it so fast, and and um, slammed on the brakes. That thing, uh, out of seventy seven cars, we finished like sixty third in the autocross. Nice, but our drag race score was so good, we finished eleventh overall. It was it was such a hoot that we uh, we just fell in love with the event. And, yeah. Um, you know, we've been participating in it. It's you know, what, 17 years have gone by. We've been down there 14 of those years, but That's great. Uh, I think four times we took multiple cars and there in is another community where everybody is so yeah. committed to try and help each other uh, succeed to the point of taking parts off the car or, um, you know, our trailer is always lighter when we leave because Sony many come over to get parts from us. Yeah,
0: they're like, man, do you guys have X? And you're like, uh, yeah, actually we do. There yeah, you go. Actually yes. we do. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, these guys that are real local to the track, you know, they come over to us, travel, travel a thousand miles up there yeah. to get parts.
0: And we That's fun. Them. Yeah, right. Well, they're so close to the house. They're so, like, I will just run over. So what all events are... Uh, you know, kind of wrapped up in the grassroots motorsport, like actual event that you know weekend or whatever.
2: That that challenge—it's just the drag race, an autocross, and a show.
0: And okay, yeah, I, I knew there was three, but I, I can't yep. remember the last one yet.
2: Yeah, the trifecta of crap. But um, yeah, <laughs> the uh, the cars—the the magazine is very focused on autocrossing. So anybody yeah. who shows up in a drag racing specific vehicle is going to stand out um because they cater to the uh the autocross and uh from that event uh, lemons has been created mm-hmm. jump racing has uh been created and they're all products of the uh uh or you know offspring of the the grassroots motorsports challenge and when you look at uh, the Hoopty Challenge, where you've got the three thousand yeah, dollar limit roadkill uh, road yeah. event, those are all um, you know, spun off of what has been created by uh, Tim and his staff. And you know, again, I can't I can't understate how awesome it is to have a group of people so dedicated and so uh, committed to. Uh, the racer, I can pick up the phone and call them and get an answer. And we have such a tremendous um, opportunity to, you know, connect with them and they shared their sport with us. Um, I had a tire question that came up in a recent conversation I had with them and, and, uh, they're very dedicated to their readership. Uh, they have a tremendous forum following and, uh, uh a lot of the competitors there's even a page on their forum for the 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 $2000 grassroots challenge yeah you there's, know it it has
1: there's another car that we
2: built
0: that, oh that's awesome
2: uh, the guy on the left of that picture Alonzo Jr what
0: that's, that's cool yeah,
2: yeah it's um uh he, they've had a lot of uh uh people in the industry be there, be part of that. It's, it's a, it's a real sensational event and, uh, they're, they're committed to helping it grow or, you know, have it continue to grow. We, we've seen some, uh, uh, lower car counts in the last two years because of COVID that, yeah. uh, uh, you know,
0: and what, what part of the year is that event held typically
2: the third week of October mm. and it's held in Gainesville every year.
0: Oh, that's cool. I mean, you're pretty good with weather at that point. I would think of uh, that year in Gainesville, that time we, of year in Gainesville.
2: Yeah, we've been rained out three times on the drag race. And I can tell you that that thousand mile ride home is a long ride when you <laughs> pull a drag car to Gainesville and have to drag it home.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what's, but, the, uh, what's the fastest you guys have gone in the, the $2,000 challenge?
2: Uh, like, oh, Calvin, yeah.
0: Calvin set the
2: record uh two months ago, six weeks ago. He set the record at uh 906 at 150 miles an hour.
0: Insanity, it, dude!
2: It uh, it was a um, uh-huh. tremendous effort. Yes. we bought that little Pontiac for 300 bucks, <laughs> and it's currently sporting a uh, 5'3 with a tractor trailer turbo and, um, uh, no intercooler. We, uh, spraying methanol, uh, water methanol blend, but Mm -hmm. way heavy on the methanol right into the (laughs) coming out of the, um, coming out of the, uh, uh, yes. Window washer. There you go. I'm a fan. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that thing makes just utter stupid power for as little as was spent on it it's um uh uh, what was it seven dollars for the cam um
0: where did you find that what how did that work
2: uh, another cam deal i bought three cams for 20 bucks and we stuck the biggest (laughs) one in it was an they were all factory cams and we just stuck uh um the ls7 cam in and um that's one of the things we hit nine flea markets a year. And we oh, are nice.
1: you wanted to make it big, there you go.
2: We are very focused on trying to one get package deals, but uh That's too cool. <laughs> get uh we get there early, we leave there late, and we uh, we 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 do our work that we treat flea markets like a job. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so here's the real question:
0: then. Do you get better deals early in the morning or late in the day? Both.
2: <laughs> um, we 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 picked up. This is no joke. We bought a complete big block Ford 460 for five dollars because guy did not want to take it home.
3: Nice.
2: <laughs> I bought an entire row. This guy had one of the rows in the flea market. I bought the entire row for $22 because it's all the money I had in my pocket you know. Wow. and he did not want to load it out <laughs> he wanted to go home and it's like buddy this is what I got and I'll take every piece here for this yep. much money and he he packed his stuff <laughs> he, you know his chair up got yep. in his truck and he says it's yours I you it money Bob
0: it. going home so <laughs> do you got uh during the day will you swap and trade stuff you nope. like do you buy something over here and then you end up like oh man I really need that instead like do nope. some trade.
2: no if we buy it um, we're very focused on what do we need um, mm. you know the early in the morning a, a friend of mine also uses the same strategy although he pretty much focuses on the early morning buys and he mm. we we all have this a similar technique. And I, I recognize the people that use the same technique where we are all but running through this thing, the first thing, and you're just hitting the things that you're, you're trying to locate things and only to buy the things that are just super good deals. And he, he ran into the, the front end on our Nova was a uh, hundred bucks. He wow. called me up and he's like, are you on your way here? And I was like, I'm, I'm parking the truck now. He's like, I'll stand here until you get here. Here's a whole fiberglass front end and hood for a hundred bucks. Wow! And uh, so you know, by flashlight, we're buying this thing and getting <laughs> it loaded up, and he's on to the next thing. But those early morning deals, a lot of the um, the a lot of the pros, if you will, are doing that. You can buy up intakes for just dollars, and the guys who are selling them on eBay or or Marketplace or Craigslist are just devouring those parts in Mm -hmm. front of you. And the goal is to get in front of them and catch some of that stuff yourself. And then once we've located the stuff that we want or picked up that, it's not uncommon for us to go back to the truck five, six, seven, ten times carrying parts and uh, just have tremendous
0: success. I love that one.
2: That that's a cool car. That started as a fifty dollars purchase off Craigslist, <laughs> and uh, to see that thing run, you know, a, an eight, eight sixty on a soft launch at one hundred and sixty one miles an hour is a blast.
0: <laughs> Man, that's wild. Um, we, you know, let's the, the we big, can talk that car for sure.
2: <laughs> but going going through the flea market's one of the big benefits of it, the more you can heap into a purchase Mm -hmm. the better your price is going to be and if you see a bunch of cams and you can use them and pick through them pick the ones that you want it's amazing what you can buy the stuff for you know a twenty dollar bill will attract somebody a ten dollar bill won't you know you can buy one cam for ten dollars you can buy three for twenty buy three
0: yeah yeah. Cause like at the end of the day, those cams are probably worth 10 or 15 or 20 bucks to somebody else for the ones you don't use.
1: Well, yeah, or didn't. you can,
0: you can be at a, an event and like uh, go, Oh, you broke your cam. Here's one. You <laughs> wiped a lobe. Well, <laughs> here's this $7 cam we have. Well, we, we do the
2: challenge enough that we, we have room to store it and it, it just ends up getting filed into another year's uh, project. And, <laughs> yep you know it's really neat the camaraderie as we travel across the country for these different races um we will stop in at other um challengers uh mm-hmm. homes and that kind of yep. thing and it's it's a real neat network just the other week we had three of them uh three competitors here at the house exchanging parts just cuz we were a central location and that's um, cool what a what a neat uh uh, community that whole uh event has um created.
0: Well, and and their forum is still probably one of the most used forums that that is out there. You know, there's always people on it. Um I'll get a wild hair and jump on there like I'm going to do something and then I'm like oh, I'm too busy to build a, take on another event. So,
3: yep.
2: Well, it's one of our one of our regulars um it, it may get crowded out next year. I don't want to be, you know, a hundred percent on that, but as we're looking at trying to get back up to land speed race and we're trying mm-hmm. to get to the, um, drag week this coming year, uh, it, there's only so much vacation available to yep. get there. So we, uh, if, if we get to both of those events, we're probably going to offset, um, that with the challenge but if we miss either of those then ultimately that's going to free it up and it's it's our favorite event uh that community is that wonderful to be part of
0: that's cool um so you guys it's a sunbird, right yes yeah yeah yeah. so is that kind of like the dedicated grassroots car (laughs) is it like It is right at
2: the moment. Um, It's the only car we've taken back four times. It holds the current record. Um, It also is the number three record car. Our Datsun um, is the number two record holder. It it was the first car in the nines. It went uh, 951 at
0: 141. Oh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, that, that fiberglass front end was made here. Uh, a, a fellow competitor uh, helped us build the mold and build the uh, oh wow build, build the front end and and that again there's another example of the community. man that angle makes it
0: look like a pro mod
1: <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> a stretch wheelbase it's a stretched <laughs> yeah. wheelbase
2: a, a factory Datsun is 90 inches long and uh, we doubled up the back of the fender behind the tire and made it 106 inches long and wow um. Part of the goal for that car is nice. Part of the goal for that car is it's eventually going to be a modified sport uh, land speed car. Mm. But while we still have no money in the car, we still wanted to use it for the uh, uh, challenge, and uh, okay. we got a wild hair in you know, a strange place, and ultimately uh, we put our tried and true old uh flea market three fifty in it and threw enough nitrous at it that it got into the nines and uh it was a uh just a fantastic car to run. Um There's that another. that was our 2010 car. That that car was being junked and we drug it home what, and
0: what is that an MG? M G B MGB. Yeah. MGB.
2: Yeah. Um and we've had some incredible adventures on that. We had a uh, black Volkswagen Bug that we took that I showed earlier, and uh, um, the one that had Al, Al Unser Jr. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what what it, powered the Bug? A
2: three fifty.
0: Oh, cool. And
2: uh, so one one of the fir- the first event that it was at the the guy who interpreted or uh, the director of the event, he comes storming up to me, <laughs> Andrew Andrew, we have a problem. What's that? Rules say all major body panels must be present. Where's your fenders? I said they're present. They're in the truck. <laughs> well, this man looked like a brake light. He went yeah. instant red. They have to be on the cars. I said, well, hold on a minute. I will cut. I brought a pair of tin snips. I brought the bolts. I will cut up a perfectly good set of fenders to bolt them on that car for a weekend's event. I ran out of time. I couldn't put them on. I brought them along. You tell me there's one single person that's complaining about it, I'll do it. But I really don't think that's the spirit of this event. (laughs) And he calmed down. He looks at me. He's like, you're right. I'll handle this. So the next rule... In next year, he changes the rules, and it says all major body panels must be present and on the car,
3: ah. which,
2: which created this monster. <laughs>
0: that, that's a Volkswagen Bug. Man, that's such a great looking car. We chopped every
2: panel up on that car. We chopped the top. I split the car down the center. I narrowed it an inch and seven sixteenths of an inch. You chopped narrowed a bug? Oh yeah, they're just pulled that picture up. Uh, we um, that'll take a little time. I think. Pack
0: racing, I think. yeah. I'm gonna have but to it,
2: we narrowed the car so that I didn't have to do body work to the roof.
0: Oh, uh, when you chopped it, yep, right.
2: And every panel on the car got chopped up and moved somewhere else. If it was on the left side of the car, I put it on the right, if it was on the right, I put it on the left. I put I cut chunks of the hood up, and that car was all pieced together out of it, would have been like day seven.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It was very early in the...
3: Yeah. yeah. There you
0: go. Oh, yeah. Uh. Oh, my gosh. We, we chronical- Stephen Darks, are you seeing this? Don't get any ideas.
2: We, there you go. We cut wow. it down. In the middle and we documented the thing every single day on the internet. And every piece of that car... Was welded somewhere else, and we created that monster. So he comes storming out to me again. All right, all major body panels must be present. And I got to show
0: him the build
2: in uh, all these pictures were shown.
1: So the next where where, where can
0: people find this? Uh, list of is this on the grassroots?
1: Yeah, packracing.com. Packracing, okay. Yeah, p-a-c-c-racing.com. It's under the build sites tab. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, so we uh, we ultimately, uh, the then the next year the rules were rewritten again and it was. <laughs> Um, all major body um, panels must be present on the car and in their original configuration. Yes. So,
0: oh, that's a bunch of crap.
2: <laughs> well, we, we had a good time yeah, because that's, at, that's, the, at the end, um, it, 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 a lot of respect was earned with the fact that, you know, when you got a house full of engineers... It, it, yeah. You're going to have to be specific in your wording because as we talked about early, you got to find out the limits of the rules. Yeah. Well, The limits of the rules were, you know, all major body panels must be present. They were, they were in the truck. Yeah. And <laughs> like if you'd had to, you could
0: have thrown them in the seat. They're here. Yeah.
2: And whatever They'll, you they're want, here. you know, yeah. I'll bolt them to the car. I'll I'll, I'll I'll wire time to the back and I'll make it look like I just got married. But um <laughs> You know, it, it was fun because you know, with he appreciated, and his his words were he loved the chess match.
3: <laughs>
2: and uh,
0: I, I wonder if leading up to that, he was always like, "Man, what are they going to do this year? What's what oh. are they? What's coming? What is and coming?" According to his coworkers, he would
2: pace the floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So we, you know, we we love that community. We love that event. Um, It it is a very difficult event uh, because there's a lot of people dedicated to it. There's schools getting involved with it, and as we are expanding our efforts to uh, take the 4200 to the next level, Mm -hmm. and uh, planning on going to the next level in our land speed efforts. It, it's it's really crowding out that that
0: low buck effort. going crazy over here. <laughs> he's like he's trying to get him a spot. Sorry, he's like in the back, just tearing this okay. little bed up. Uh, I don't think he's he's a he's going to be an okay shop dog eventually. <laughs> like he's just not quite there yet once he stops eating the tools and stuff <laughs> oh the other day he threw up a big old chunk of sawdust i was like dude come on man come on. <laughs> like you can't eat that stuff you know it's not good for you i'm sure it tastes good but you can't eat it <laughs> um all right so the probably one of the the hardest um i would think hardest on car events is you know dragon and drive and then i would think of probably even ahead of that would be land speed stuff because you're on the throttle for so long. Like what's a typical run in land speed, like distance, uh, not distance, but like uh, time-wise
2: um, a mile and a half run is 43 seconds.
0: Wow. Yeah, you're you're never full throttle for forty seconds in a in a drag race. I mean, there's some cars I've been slow enough yeah. to do that, They're like that a half Franklin, mile. Yeah. That Franklin that
1: showed up a couple of years ago, he was close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's
2: it's my slowest car that I raced was twenty two seconds on in quarter wow. mile. That was my '54 Chevy yeah. straight six, two thirty 115 horsepower. Yeah you know it, it it was painted orange the engine looked good um, yeah. <laughs> but all uh, show yeah yeah ultimately um, that intensity is so surreal when you make a pass and you you throw that parachute you can talk about each pass for an hour there oh, is I can only so there's much so much that yeah. happens that it is it is so intense. It it is you, your hot rod, and the Lord, and you've got time to talk to him. You it <laughs> is absolutely. It, you know, there's a lot going on, and your sensory is so energized with um, adrenaline.
3: Mm-hmm. It,
2: it 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 is something. It, when we used to race at Maxton how you went across the bump at the five eighths mile mark is something you talked about for years. And I still think about that bump, just how you drove across that bump could make a half a mile an hour difference in how you
3: crazy.
2: And as you learn the tracks, as you learned, you know, I kept watching cars, and it was um, Tanya Turk, and she was driving the 462. She made a comment about she'd get a three-quarters of a mile out at um, Loring, and the car would move to the right. And I was like, man, I'm, same thing's happening to me. And you look around at the profile of the ground, and there's a gap in the hill over beside the road, and there's actually air movement across there. And it was fascinating to listen to other people's talking about things that happen out on track that as you experience them and you start to pay attention to the um, conditions or the uh, uh, what's going on out there, a mile away where you're getting your trap speed, you may be going from a tailwind to a headwind. You may be going from a, wow. a, you know, a headwind to a sidewind and that car is moving around. Um, especially in the slower classes that don't have the arrow um, Mm -hmm. where you don't have the power to just thrust yourself into a stable, um, that lack of forward thrust and losing that forward or the stability is, is something that you got to experience to uh, truly appreciate.
0: So, you know, coast to coast stuff is a big, like, that's going to be an adventure that we're going to do in the next two years, like, I'm just going to will it into existence, you know. Um, the, the struggle's been the time, you know, because uh, we had some guys on the other day and they were talking about they live in Atlanta and they, it's a, a day and a half drive up to New York to, to leave to head that way. They left from Connecticut and head that way and they made it across. Uh, they Everybody had to be under 100 horsepower, you know, on a dyno, like, car, you know, put the cars that were questionable on a dyno and, you know, to, to go flat out that long, um, what what's something that you guys would build to do that with?
2: Under a horse, hundred horsepower? No,
0: no, no, not a not hundred horsepower, but like what's something you would build to go across the country?
2: Oh. Oh, man. Well, a Corvette always comes to mind, but I would love to take an old Studebaker across the country. Just That'd some, be cool. I, I'd, I'd rather have fun and do something cool. Than have the fastest car, Um, because too many times you get caught up in these um, classes where the biggest wallet wins. I'd rather rather win the party. Yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) that's right. That's right. Because somebody's always going to knock the knock the record off or whatever, but they're going to remember the dude that had the most fun.
2: Absolutely, (laughs) and I I I, signed me up for that crowd.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. I think that's another uh, group of folks that are. You know, drag. We you know, uh, drag and drive event folks, grassroots folks. I mean, it's another very small niche within the automotive industry, uh, performance automotive folks. And you know, it, they take care of everybody that takes care of that little group. You know.
2: Yep. yep. It's it's when you get into a racing group, and you can say they get it. That's really fun. The drag yeah. group people, they get it. Yeah. The the grassroots people, the, there is more joy and pride in people being honest about their budget that make it so enjoyable. They get it. Yeah. And you can tell the misery and it, just the demeanor of the folks that may not have been as, um, committed to the budget and being having their, uh, uh, meeting the spirit of the rule you go to land yeah. speed, you go land speed racing they get it yeah. uh, i've heard Bonneville it's like it i can't wait for the day when we can oh. get there um those folks are committed and they they get it and i i would imagine going coast to coast you're gonna you're gonna have a group of guys that they just <laughs> get it
0: yeah yeah those guys to to be flat on the you know you just throw a brick on the gas pedal so your foot can relax for hours. You know that's a that's pretty impressive, yeah. and just the the math that goes into the to figuring out fuel consumption. You know how do you you know the auxiliary tanks and how do you transfer and all that kind of stuff. The extra weight, what that does to brakes and engine yeah. and you know. The the figuring it out, I think it's probably along y'all's line, too. I like the figuring it out. I like to figure out how that stuff works. Oh, we're only going to get 17 miles a gallon at 107 miles, you know, (laughs) (laughs) instead of 25 at 92, you know, or whatever it is. So, um, all right. So I'll I'll say that I'm getting a little light on some questions here. I do want to talk about uh, your mom's new ride. Uh, that you guys are building uh, for her, and kind of what the plan is for that, and then let's uh, flip into some, you know, kind of why you start recording for YouTube and making videos, sure. and then uh, if anybody's in the chat that want to ask some questions, uh, we, you know, welcome those as long as they're appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so well, let, let's, yeah, start with Mom's ride because that looks like said, a cool yeah. truck.
2: Well, we went we went down to South Carolina on a uh, reconnaissance effort to see what kind of cars we could drag back we uh through covid ultimately uh my employment situation was changed uh uh 800 of us were uh uh offered an opportunity to find uh uh, a different pasture
0: there you go that's a way to word it
2: and uh ultimately uh I started a small business. Um, we have a fabrication shop, Pack Performance. And um, we've been staying busy. But one of the things that I have always enjoyed the most, and having owned you know, nearly 200 cars, I love buying a car, fix it up, and sell it. Mm-hmm. So we took the opportunity to go down uh, and explore, and we ran into that truck. And uh, when it was first offered to me, it was way outside its value Mm -hmm. and when we saw it in person the guy had come down a thousand dollars and my wife was i could see the look in her eye it's like (laughs) Big boy, you better get your negotiating hat on. This girl fell in love with that truck. And yeah, she,
0: she's telling you, "Hey, I really like it." In front of the guy, you're like, "Shh."
2: shh. Oh, she did that before. I'll, I'll go back to that story in a second. She blew a negotiation on. I'll just tell it now. We're we're at the Ford dealership, and I'm trading in my Monte Carlo to get the uh, uh, Taurus wagon. And we couldn't come to an agreement on the price. We were500 dollars apart. Mm. and I was like, "Well, let's go." And my wife, she gets this look, but I want that car." And the sales guy just put the biggest smile on because he knew I was losing that battle., <laughs> so, Yep. you know, fast forward to this year, we're down in flor or down in South Carolina to um, look at different vehicles. We come across this truck, and this girl, is making all the wrong sounds. He is, oh honey, we could do this and oh honey, and and the seller is
0: like hearing this and I'm like... He's like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's, oh man, I can see you driving that just like that.
3: So we,
2: you know, I offered him a price, another thousand below what he was willing. And long story short, we ended up in the middle and Ended up getting it brought home. and
0: There's some some shrewd negotiation.
2: Yeah, well, getting (laughs) halfway was probably as good as I was going to get because he knew I was in a bind. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm so thrilled that she found something that she has uh, a real interest in she had the thing named before we even agreed on a price you know nice we name all our cars and she named that thing before we even had a price (laughs) i knew i was in a bind
0: (laughs) well (laughs) then i was watching the video i see she's out there like helping lower the engine in oh yeah so she she's bought in it sounds looks like it's going to be a ton of fun
3: Oh
2: yeah. Oh yeah. We've, we've, she's been such an instrumental part that when the boys were in college and we'd go to races by ourselves, there was, we we got into a situation where we, we knew we weren't going to take first place unless we did some, uh, uh, we, we brought a nitrous system to throw at the car at the last second. <laughs> we were having a problem with the throttle pedal before that even happened. And she's hanging upside down underneath the steering wheel and a racing seat jammed in the middle of her back, fixing a gas pedal. How, how many women are willing to do that, doing it by flashlight on your yeah. telephone to be able to fix that thing. And, you know, when it, when it <laughs> comes to, you know, the fight the dog, it's, you know, we, we, our whole family has that, um, win mentality. We're, we're going to, I've made passes down the track and set, um, event records with welds that were hot in the car because we we finished fixing it and as as calvin's letting the jack down i'm climbing in the car with my fire suit getting nice. the aging reins to make a pass it's it's we will do what it takes and she she has that fire in her belly she she That's is a awesome. supporter and uh um so while she's not going to do as much of the bull work on the stuff that you know we're going to do she she is right there helping us out and it's it's the whole family effort that makes the difference whether it's she's running the pickup materials or uh getting bottles at uh at the weld shop you know every ounce of effort counts and you know we we've got a couple sayings around here you know people always ask us how do we get so much done and we're all committed to that level but we also are committed to utilizing our time to the best of our ability. If we got five minutes, do a five minute job. If yeah. you got 10 minutes, do a 10 minute job. And you can, you can create a day on a weekend. If you mm-hmm. put five, 10, 15, five, four, 3 10 minutes together through the course yep. of the week, you generated hours that you get freed up. And yep. with her being committed to try and, help us make sure that when we get to the weekend and our high focus time is there, you know, if she's running an errand, she'll go pick stuff up. It's, it's been a lot of fun to be, have s- such a strong
0: part. That's awesome. Yep. So That's cool. all, And then, you know, Matt says it all the time, an hour a day. Yep. You know?
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a 66 Ford F-100 that we're building for, and we're putting a, uh, a crate, what, one of the few crate motors we've ever put into something, uh, oddly enough, we have done them before for how cheap we are, but those we actually won. <laughs> <laughs> nice. so, but, uh, yeah, putting a, a, crate LS3 into it and a 4L80E and a Holly Terminator X. And, uh, I'm going to hook up traction control for her and all kinds of stuff so that, know she doesn't spin the thing out
0: (laughs) (laughs) so I think that's what uh that was the part of the video that I enjoyed the most or uh maybe that was on your Instagram uh you know you spinning the wheel and I'm like like that's it's stuff that nobody would ever think oh traction control on that why would I put that on that I don't need I don't need to use that input output you know for that but dude your mom goes and jumps in whatever car she dailies if it starts spinning it's going yeah. to take over and handle it, you know, so it'll be cool to see that come together.
1: And Yeah. My, my uncle who's been, uh, drag racing for years, he, he recently, uh, got into a situation where he was driving one of his hot rods in the rain. And, you know, with all the experience he has with hot rods, you know, he, mm-hmm. he spun the thing out and, you know, probably about, you know, killed himself. And, uh, you know, after that, it was like, you need traction control. (laughs) He's like, you can put traction control on this. And you're like, Oh yeah,
0: here it's two sensors. Yeah. 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 reading wheel speed and front wheel speed. It's like amazing. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So what are you, what are you guys going to do for front suspension on that rig? Stock. Oh, cool.
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah. A lot of people have asked, you know, why aren't aren't you uh, putting a crown Vic uh, front end under it? If we wanted our truck to be a car, we'd have bought a car uh you yeah. know and
0: and plus the drop that that gives that truck is you know i mean it's like a four and a half or five inch drop
2: well you know truth be known it is mama's truck but if I need to go pick some parts up with it I'm not gonna be shy <laughs> about
1: jumping into something with an ls3 <laughs> under the hood right
0: right <laughs> that's awesome so it
1: will uh it'll of course have power steering and um you know disc brakes all the way around and um, you know we'll modernize a few things but um, if she decides she doesn't like the way it drives maybe we'll do a crown vix front suspension down the road but you know she's driven our you know our tow rigs all over the place and she has yeah, no really. issue with it so yeah I think she's be
0: all right yeah she's not scared of a of a truck the way a truck should drive Nope, nope or no or does please. drive not should drive but does drive yep.
2: yeah when when i need a break when we're on a long haul she, she can get into the driver's seat of a crew cab diesel four-wheel drive truck yep. with a 24-foot, 10,000 pounds on the hitch. And, you know, she runs with the best of them.
0: That's cool. Uh, so let's talk YouTube because you just crossed 10,000 subs a couple weeks ago. Yep. And, uh, dude, you're about to cross a million video views. That's yep. that's a big number. You know you think about? It. That's, yeah. That's it's big.
1: It's wild. I, I honestly never thought it would get here. I mean – the whole reason that I wanted to start the YouTube was, you know, obviously, you know, we talked about a lot of the stuff that we've done in the past and, you know, all that, all that stuff, you know, it's cool, but you know, how do you share it with people and how do you, yeah. how do you you know, create a community around it when it's just like pictures on a website.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know,
1: I thought YouTube was an excellent way, but I was kind of scared of the camera. Um, just, you know, I, I was scared of looking like an idiot and, uh, <laughs> people make it fun of me and that kind of thing. And, um, so I made a couple attempts at YouTube, uh, over the years, just, you know, okay, I, this is going to be the one, you know, I spent hours and hours and hours and days and days and days, you know, trying to come up with a good name and yeah. uh, all this stuff. And it just kept like, it kept like getting to the point where I'd be like, okay, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll, just make one more video or I'll, I'll, um, you know, I I just need the right name or I just kept making excuses. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I was just like, okay, what I film on this, this phone, (laughs) it's being (laughs) uploaded to the internet, unedited on the YouTube (laughs) channel. I already have, you know, that's, that's why, you know, Nivlac 57, that honestly, that's kind of a crappy name, like (laughs) (laughs) the spell. And uh, it's it, when when you say Niblac 57, they're like, "What? <laughs>
0: they're like, what's that even mean?" You're like, "That's right."
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a crappy name. I've ch- I've thought about changing it a dozen times, but you know, I, at this point, I think we're kind of stuck with it. Um, yeah. But uh you yeah, know, I it,
0: wouldn't watch whatever the one you would change it to because I'd be like, "Well, I don't know what this channel is.
1: <laughs> this guy's just like Niblack 57 yeah. with these cars." Right. Yep. Yeah. So it just got to the point where I was like, I literally, I am uploading, you know, I don't care if people make fun of me. I don't care if I say, uh, 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 50 times, you know, it's just, it's going on the internet and yep. I'll figure it out later. And, um, you know, we got some decent success from, uh, the sloppy community. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them, you know, jumped on board, you know, I, I wanted to document the six cylinder conversion on my Studebaker because I thought that would get a lot of attention. And that was, you know, I was still making excuses at that point. And, uh, um, so I finally, you know, broke down. I'm like, okay, I'm just making a, a, a overview video of my Studebaker. And that was the first video that kind of took a, took off. And, um, you know, as time has gone on, I've been trying to make it more and more, uh, quality content where, uh, it's, yeah. More easy to watch,
0: and uh, <laughs> man, listen—that's the way it works. Like that's so uh, you know we we've put out a ton of content, uh, like six or seven hundred videos, I think, which is about where you are at too. You know, uh, no, you're like hundred and sixty, so yeah, you're just yeah. you're fam- famous right out of the gate. Um, the uh, I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, make fifty videos, make fifty, get through fifty, and then you'll be fine. You'll have. Yep. You'll have the uh, the ability to be on camera and stuff like that. My brother just walked in. Right.
1: Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know you just got to get over the I'm I'm an idiot. People are going to make fun of me. You know I I'm you know I I'm sort of an introvert. I I don't really you know I I can be you know I can talk to people. I can mm-hmm. but you know I recharge by you know being alone and you know
0: <laughs> being away from people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean that's kind of my. You know that's just the way I am. Um, yeah. So you know you just have to get over it. You have to just just practice. You have to just you just got to get over yourself. It just yeah. it sucks. You know, it, there's a few people that are lucky that they just don't have that. They just they they think everything they say is gold and they can just you know jump in front of a camera and <laughs> they're naturals. But most of us are not like that, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, you just I mean. You know, my mom went through it with this most recent video. She just, she was just so, you know, oh, I look stupid. And, you know, uh oh, can you cut that out? And I'm like, uh, and I'm like, relax, they'll love you.
0: Just, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Don't worry. People, people are going to love mom. It's fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, uh, her, her little,
2: her her parts in the videos are just so funny. You know,
0: <laughs> let's look at the
2: data. Let's look at the data in the in the eight second Nova videos. One of my favorite moments. Her trying to find Calvin's nine second t- <laughs> scoreboard picture. It, it's so on where <laughs> it's like,
1: yeah, you can tell she's like, she's like, like oh she's shit, like right the there, dead center <laughs> of the screen, and she's just she's she, It's like right in the middle <laughs> of the screen, and she's just paused there for like. Five seconds and
3: oh, there it is! Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's right there. It's so it's
2: yeah. so it's so honest because yeah. you're seeing a woman who loves her family so much, trying mm-hmm. so hard to get this right that. Um, uh, she doesn't realize it. <laughs> it's the part that we love
3: about her the most. Because yeah. she's so, yeah. honest, her
1: little, oh, don't do <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I just love you, mom. <laughs> yeah, the, you
0: know, the best that, that that is one of my favorite parts of that whole video because, like, and you leaving it in was awesome.
1: Oh, uh, yep, yeah, I'll watch <laughs> yeah. that when you know, when we're much older, yeah. you know, maybe you know, when she's passed, and
0: yeah. Um,
1: it'll bring back well, memories.
0: And- <laughs> listen, I'll tell you right now, our number one video is a video my dad and I did uh, put recovering the seat in my old truck. I mean, like, not just that that's cool, that that's our number one video, but our dad passed February of 2020 and, like, it's just, we'll always have that. I'll be able to show that to my kids, you know, and so okay. if we had not started YouTube and not started recording, we wouldn't have any of those videos, so it's always cool. That's- yep. <laughs> that's <going>. us <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, yes, that is my brother. We don't look anything alike. I'm fat. He's skinny. I get yeah, it.
1: Same, same boat. Uh, <laughs> My brother actually was walking by here earlier. I should have had him stick his head in. But he's he's like skinny as a rail and looks nothing like me. And Everybody thinks he's the younger one, but <laughs>
0: yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yep, he's uh, he's built some super cool stuff and has finally started recording some things. So uh, I'm excited what that'll do for the channel. What's funny is um, I've always worried about what my inability for fabrication is going to rub. Like people are going to think we're both hacks and he's definitely not, but I am i am a, I'm a let's get it done. I don't care. That weld is ugly. It doesn't matter. Who cares? When I, yeah. When I, when I pop the hood on the old truck and people are like, Oh man, why didn't you wrap these? I'm like, cause I didn't give a shit. Like I wanted to, I want, you know, our biggest thing with the channel is if I can do it, you can do it. I guarantee you can do it if I can do it. You know what I mean? And and so if, you know, we built a log manifold for the truck right, I mean, right, literally where I'm sitting right now, I I built it right here and chopped up pieces of exhaust pipe that had been rusty before and I would grind the edge off and weld it on. And it's 1,500 miles and, you know, lots and lots of boost. Yep. Cool. So. Yeah, yeah. It's a ton of fun. Well, uh, it doesn't look like anybody has any questions. Does that mean we covered everything?
1: I guess so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I do want to say thank you for coming on. I, I really, really do appreciate it. It's, uh, you guys are a big inspiration for a lot of folks. And, and for me too, it's, it's cool to see you guys, uh, pushing the, the envelope there on the 4,200. That reminds me though, you had said in one other video, you may start looking at some four and five cylinder stuff mm-hmm. too. Um, got some plans for that Mm
1: -hmm. yeah we we do um it has to it has to meet a goal yeah we can't just do it to do it Um, oh
0: come on man do it for
1: us (laughs) that's not the goal we're looking for right and (laughs) we've we've looked at the the four cylinders being Mm -hmm. that it's a 2.9 liter the uh land speed racing uh e class i believe is or is it D, no, it's F. 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 F yeah. yeah, F class in land speed racing. The cubic inch limit is uh, 183 or three liters. Um, so wow. we've talked about doing one for that. Um, you know, it, we we've looked at a lot of things with. If if you go
2: through the series of videos and see the the discovery that's made on the. Um, exhaust valve, uh, VVT, exhaust mm-hmm. cam VVT. Uh, it's really put a um, uh, desire into us to have something with both cams adjustable, mm-hmm. and uh, that's going to probably drive what the next engine is going to be, whether it's a, a BMW or a um, Ecotec or something, you know.
0: Me either John. But, sorry, he said, John John Hooper says he, he doesn't know what he's gonna do when the 12 pods of Christmas <laughs> is over. It's gonna be weird not being on tomorrow night. Anyways, sorry. It's
3: all
2: good. You know, it, it that that's gonna be something that's very likely. Um, you know, Calvin's driven my 496 and fell in love with the power that it made. Yeah. We may we may jump into a big block build. Uh, or a series of big block builds just to, you know, l- we've got six or seven of them out in the
1: barn right now that uh, nice. really need some loving. And uh, well, I, what I'd love to do, you know, it, it's the four and the five cylinder, you know, we'll probably get around to that eventually just, mm-hmm. you know, it'll happen. I, but Like you'll, um, you'll come
0: across one, then it'll fit yeah, at that time. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. We'll yeah. find a Colorado or something that's yep. like, all right. This is too cheap to pass up, but um, you know something that I would love to do is, you know, all these guys with the stock bottom end LSs, they're pushing them super hard, you know, and I think it's it's a big part of it is engine management. You know, if if the guys back in you know my dad's day had access to the type of engine management that we, we have today. You know, we got rid of the slate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, if they were able to do a timing map like we were able to do today yep. <laughs> where, you know, you can control the timing based on, you know, all kinds of conditions and that sort of thing. And, you know, have knock sensors and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. You know, what what could they have done? And, you know, we take it for granted on the LS, you know, I would love to take like a a 454 or something old that's, you know, already has a good reputation for how stout it is Mm -hmm. and just see what a stock one will do if you stick all that modern engine management on it. Yeah. Um, I'd love to do something like that. We, you know, obviously we're going to try and go faster and faster with the 4200 stuff. It just, you know, it's, we still haven't broken one. It's. That's
0: crazy. Yeah. I mean, you're at 700, and you said 713 wheel. Yep, yeah. I mean, and uh, that's the turbo 400, right? Yep, in that car, yeah,
1: yeah and a nine inch, yeah. and a nine inch, yeah. 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 It's 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 amazing how well they're holding. I mean, our experience with the LS stuff, it was a pretty rocky road at the start. Like, we we uh, we really struggled. I mean, it um, just misinformation all over the internet and um, dealing with just conflicting stories, conflicting um, bad advice, just bad advice. And uh, we just, we kept, we blew up two of them um, pretty quick. And uh, you know, it just, it was just one thing after another. And the six cylinders have been like smooth sailing, like it's just, they just work. Well, once yeah. once once you know
2: the minimums on the LS, and you can apply it to anything, right. but we had to go through that uh, valley uh, because you'd ask the question on a forum or wherever, the, the sources were limited. And after you've figured out the problem yourself and you share it with everybody... Then you get a 1,000, well, I could have told you that.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: And fortunately, we didn't have, well, with the tip of the spear, for lack of a better expression on the 4,200, there's not anybody leading the charge on this. And, you know, Calvin picked that ball up and and has run with it. But it came after the challenges were – we, we beat the challenges of the LS and, you know, the information now on the LS is much more readily available. And we could tell Mm -hmm. people a lot of the mistakes that we made and how we made them and what parts we were managing wrong because we just weren't managing them. Right. And uh, uh, now with that being the primary focus on every build Applying that to the um, six cylinders has made it possible to really lean on these things without hurting them.
0: Yeah, Just
2: that's cool. It would be
0: interesting. Just, s- it'd be cool to see what you guys could do with the big block with all of that. You know, I mean, are you thinking like, like a Holly Terminator Dominator setup type?
1: It'll probably be um, carburetor.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: It'll probably be a gold box, um, like a Mega Squirt type yep. product. Um, I mean, the, the Terminator I know can do like distributor stuff. Um, I don't know. I'll decide at the time.
0: <laughs> right. I, I'm just wondering if, if, like a coil, you know, uh, uh, a coil pack type setup is is that right. kind of what you're thinking? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's cool.
1: Yeah. I'll probably put an external trigger wheel on the front um you know and just go away with you know do away with all the distributor everything just coil and plug and um yeah it'll be all modern you know be able to do uh um uh, you know a lot of stuff we're doing on the ls we're given different fueling and timing depending on which cylinder it is wow Um, just because they you know you can do that back cylinders uh tend to get more airflow so you you just give them a little bit more fuel and take a little bit of timing out. And um, that seems to make them last longer. Uh, So, you know, do that same sort of philosophy um, except I think the big block intakes have a issue with the, the corner cylinders. So we, you know, whatever we'll, we'll figure it out when we get, we get there. But, you know, you look at the modern materials that are used on the LS connecting rods, you know, the forged powdered metal and, Um, you know, big block actually had like a forged steel rod, you know, I have to believe that that is stronger. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, just the, the whole stock bottom end philosophy of don't give it a lot of timing at lower RPM, just get it to make power up in the higher RPM range. You know, every engine has a torque limit. So just make that torque at as high of an RPM as you can. Um. You know just applying that you know that's a honda thing you know mm-hmm. that's what the honda guys figured out you know hey if we kind of ramp the timing in over rpm it you know they tend to hold together a little better and, <laughs> right you know, you know applying all the modern tuning philosophies onto an old engine I'd, I'd love to do that you know you know it may not be a big block it may be something crazy you know who mm-hmm. knows. Um, it just, I want it to be old and I want people like, you know, Matt drives me nuts. Matt <laughs> mechanics when he's like, oh, those big blocks that are junk, you know, and I'm like,
0: but they're not,
1: they're not like you stick a turbo on that. It's going to make power.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, you start looking at, you know, again, you go back to uh, saying uh, the chemical pump from early, how much, yep. can how much chemical can, can you flow through it? I mean, a really high-flowing you know, LS head is, is about the same as a high-flowing big block head. I mean, like, like you, you just have more inches with the big yeah. block. You can put more in there. So Yeah. Plus,
1: yeah. I, I don't know. I like the firing order. The sound, you know, if you compare the sound of a LS, you know, which has a different firing order than like a small block or a big block,
3: mm-hmm.
1: they just sound better. The, the the older, yeah. you know, the big blocks and the small blocks, they just sound better. They just have a better yeah. idle. They just have a different crack. They have a different sound to them. And so the, the sound of a big block with a turbo, I just, you know, I, I'm a sound guy. I, I like that. Yeah. That's why the six cylinders even happened. You know, it was just <laughs> like, you know, it, LS makes, still makes a lot more sense. I mean, as we push these six cylinders more and more, it's like, I don't know. These are actually pretty capable like yeah i almost like you know if you put them next to the ls they're actually i don't know they're pretty close
0: you know well i mean like 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 let's be honest like 700 wheel that's a bunch
1: yeah that's a lot of power
2: everybody are still poo-pooing the thing i don't think they'll gain the respect that they deserve until you break the eight hundred mark, yeah. yeah and yeah. if we, we do that with a stock bottom end, obviously you'll see it on the video. But yeah. uh, uh, at some point, even the bear guys got to stop complaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they every time that we've hit a new plateau, they suddenly claim that they're right. they've been at the new plateau for a while. And at some point, they're going to run out of that up, you know, that,
3: yep.
2: that that that's going to catch up. Yep.
3: And, yep.
2: Um, you know, there's Richard Holdner, Holdner um, did 550 with his and he was not leaning on the thing. He applied some of the past lessons that he had um, mm-hmm. learned, camshaft timing and other things to it. But it, it, he is a true inspiration.
3: Yeah. Um, he,
2: he, when you talk to him or watch him, his enthusiasm is genuine. There's, yes. there's nothing fake about him. And we've had the privilege to get to know him, talk to him personally. We, we have gone in a different direction on certain things just based on what our thoughts were and we had the opportunity to test them out and they, they bared fruit. And um, it's been a lot of fun to get uh, his acknowledgement. Each time a video comes out, he, he, he will pop a, uh, a comment, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you can tell he's enjoying the fact that we're, we're, we're seeing this success and we're forcing some thinking to be very different than uh, the conventional thought and that that's that's a lot of fun it goes back to the you know the what initiated the conversation what, what engine are we gonna do next and and you know whether it's at some point a um, coyote engine may make sense coyote yeah, yeah coyote. but the cost is so restrictive right now yeah but a dual VVT V8, how cool would that be?
0: Yeah, and they sound amazing through turbos.
2: They they do, <laughs> and you know that's not next. But I I the flat planes. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I I you know I is it is it the five point five if they ever become affordable from yeah, GM? Who who knows what the future money. is going to be? But you know we're going to find something that's fun and. You know, the ultimate goal is as much power as we can get out of them. And, you know, this is fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, man, I love it. Um, do you think, like, how how many people are messing with the 4,200?
2: A lot more than you would think. Um, there's a lot of guys in um, off-roading that are putting them into Jeeps. There's a lot of guys that are um, – putting them into street rods. When I was at a recent event, I was surprised at how many of the the long skinny hooded vehicles have a 4200 in them. But you don't see them being used on the performance level. Why? It, that's not widespread. I think everybody's waiting to see where this goes. And there's a lot of manufacturers and other folks that are uh, contacting Calvin on a regular basis that uh, uh, we know that people are paying attention and if this thing turns out to be a, a go-to option, there's a lot of people who want this to happen. So yeah. it, it, um, the, the answer to your question is not a lot in the areas where we're focused, but there's a lot more out there than people realize.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's probably Richard Holder and us, as far as, like, pushing wow. the, envelope. the envelope. Yeah, yeah. I that's mean, pretty cool. There was some pretty heavy development in, like, 2005. You know, the um, the self-racing guys. You know, that's kind of what inspired me to get into the 4200 was um, Drag Week. Um, the very first Drag Week, there was a Vortec 4200-powered uh, station wagon, Nova station wagon, with a... Um, uh, big eighty millimeter turbo, and it ran a uh, eight sixty two at like one hundred and fifty wow. miles an hour. They cheated. They towed the car between an event and tried to sneak sneak through oh. it, and um, unfortunately, they were caught. Well, I guess fortunately, they were caught. Um, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I don't condone
0: cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially that kind of cheating. Dang it! Drive right. it. So, yeah. Well, funny. yeah.
1: Um, and uh, you know they they kind of it's funny you can watch some of the drag week videos and they'll kind of like uh, you know they'll say oh we've had pretty good luck with cheating and then you know somebody from the crowd will be, not since cunningham you know that was, <laughs> yeah but uh so you know they kind of inspired a lot of development there but um they were very secretive about how mm-hmm. they did what they did they didn't share any details they just you know the the line they used in their the one article about the car was uh they paid a lot of money for uh this development and uh they have the rights to it or something like that you know it's just like you know they they paid for it and you know it's theirs to share and you know nobody else's business and you know (laughs) oh my gosh yeah whereas we're like the complete opposite it's like you know we try to share as much as we can and um try you know the more people that get into it the more you know we have a opportunity to create a aftermarket and you know i can't afford a fifty thousand dollar um r d (laughs) you know to develop parts for this but if we can get enough people interested then maybe holly will uh take that you know plunge
0: and uh you know
1: help us all
0: yeah yeah that'd be great um the the wraith here on youtube says uh, i'm yeah. i'm late has anyone asked calvin what he thinks a stock sleeve forged 4200 is capable of i mean he's, he's one of the regular
1: commenters he uh um good to see him there um i would think a thousand um to probably maybe 1200 um it a lot of what i you know i i've been able to you know the 4200 is very popular in uh, competition Eliminator. It's a class run in NHRA. And uh, what they do is they're using factory blocks and factory crankshafts with uh, aluminum rods and uh, forged pistons. Mm-hmm. And they're spending these things to 10,000 RPM and they make wow. 650 horsepower naturally aspirated. Jeez. Um, Yes, <laughs> from a two hundred and fifty-four cubic inch engine.
0: That's um, awesome.
1: <laughs> so I I was able to actually get a hold of um, uh, a guy that um, who runs the class, and um, he shared some of the secrets with me. And um, you know they're still running the factory block, so I would think, um, you know, if you were able to uh, apply some of their their secrets and, you know, that kind of thing, the block girdling and stuff that they do to the engine. I, I would think it, you could push them pretty hard. Um, I, we still haven't had an issue with uh, block strength. So I, I'm. they do a lot of preventative stuff that, you know, I'm like, I don't know, until we see a problem, I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I'm not going to go down that road, but there's a lot of uh, stuff that you can do that we're not doing yet and we haven't had any issues so it i don't know there's there's lots of room for improvement you know we'll we'll see as time goes on that's one, awesome
2: one of the biggest problems that we do know is how much windage there is in the bottom of the engine and you know short of a sh- short stroke crank being available for them that's going to be the biggest limit is yeah. what is that crankshaft doing to everything else as opposed to how strong the block is. It's a four-inch crank. And
3: it's (laughs) just
2: down there. It's the ventilation that GM put into the block to try and get uh, the oil out of the head because of the amount of um, turbulence in the bottom end, the the way that they vented some of the things. You, You can tell they were very aware that this was... A major issue and at the high boost levels we've seen some spark blow out and oil gets going into places where you don't want it and um uh as we continue to work on our program focusing on spark uh doing more focus on some other things you know our next plateau that we think we're going to hit is going to be 750. And then, you know, the next goal after that is going to be, can we get it to 800? And you get you get a stock bottom end to 800. There is nobody on the planet that's not going to, you know, so take notice. head up out of the ditch and say, what? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it, like even 750 wheel to a nine inch and 400 has got to be yep. low 800s, right? Well, yeah, the,
1: the, the fun... Uh, the funny part about the, the Barra guys, going back to the competition with them, is all of their highest horsepower stuff has been through a, either a lockup converter or a manual transmission. And oh, nice. Everybody knows that's, like, instant, like, Fifty to hundred horsepower.
0: So, so what you're saying is you need a converter sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody reach out. Somebody yeah, get these lockup uh, converters.
1: We were talking to Hughes at uh, PRI. So <laughs>
0: nice, nice man. We should have went this year. There's so many people that I'm sad we didn't meet. Yep.
1: Yeah, it was a good yep. time. We. Yep. Uh, it was our first time ever. Um, that's awesome and uh it wow <laughs> well, yeah we, it. <laughs> man we, we went in
0: 2017 and had literally like three hours my brother and i had a window of time and we were like we drove 130 miles an hour to gain as much time as we could there and yep. drove 130 miles back to his house yeah uh, 130 miles an hour back to his house yep. and we were literally like it was as fast as we could go through it you know it was just Yep. Trying to look at all the stuff, you know. Yep. So we're, we're going next year for all three days, whether right. I get fired or not.
1: Yeah, we'll have to get hooked up and take <laughs> yeah. in
0: and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then you guys had uh, hinted about some uh, maybe a trip to Blyville, Arkansas at some point in the future. Uh, if you end up there, listen, that's where I live, that's where I grew up. Well. Yep. Yeah, we'll go drink at some shitty bars or something if y'all are into that. <laughs> if not, I'll show you some sketchy side streets that we used to do some street racing on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we, our desire, our my desire to get there is very strong. Um, the schedule may not let us get that done, but yep. if we can't get to Loring, we may end up shooting for the uh, October event. We've we've kind of in the last few days laid out some ske- tentative scheduling. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like we're going to make the April event.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. The uh, so we were. Uh, I still hold the record on the Blavel, uh Airbase runway. There, 129 miles an hour in a rented Impala. We were <laughs> we were on a car rally and aired the tires up to like 60 pounds and took everything out we could. And no matter what we did, it would go 129. <laughs> me in it, my buddy that's 40 pounds lighter than me different, you know, different takeoff strategies, yep. 129. So. Hey, the record's a record.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, we're,
0: we're the fastest white rental Impala on the Express Rally.
1: On a Thursday.
0: On a, I think it was a Thursday. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. Um, Y'all, I really do appreciate it. Thank you yeah. for coming spending, I mean, three hours with me on a, on a night leading up to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. You guys are easy to talk to is what I'm saying here.
2: We're yeah. almost tolerable.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I've had a ton of fun. Um Again, you just run through where people can find you. I've linked your, your uh, YouTube in the chat a bunch. So, and I'll do that again on all the stuff we post here. Yep. So.
1: Yeah. Sorry. It's hard to spell. nivlac 57 on YouTube. That's... Calvin spelled backwards. How yeah. hard is it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's the main, I mean, same thing on uh Facebook and Instagram. Um, yeah. That's, that's us. <laughs>
0: yep, and you can typically find Calvin. You're making comments in the Sloppy Mechanics public page oh, yeah. quite a bit. Uh, spend a lot of time in there. So, yeah. all right, uh, guys, this is the end of twelve pods of Christmas for everybody that's been watching. I, yep. I appreciate it. This is going to be really weird not being on this stool uh, anymore. For because uh-huh. next time you guys see me, uh, the room will be done. I'll have my backdrop. I'll have some kind of stool and microphone and all that kind of cool stuff. So. Cool. Yeah, until next year, I'm, uh, I'm hitting the end of broadcast button for the final time in 2021. This feels weird. All right, All right. Congratulations. congratulations
2: and Merry Christmas! Yep. Merry hey, Christmas.
0: thanks. All right, y'all, thank you.